my friends, and I do mean my friends, to this fine radio program, this being Smoking and Toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We have all of those things on hand today, and we have not one but two very special guests, one of whom will make, I'm sure, a rather grand appearance later. But in the <laughs> meantime, oh, and thank you, we appreciate it. we got some glasses coming over so we can do some spirit sampling because as you can see there are spirits spread out on this table already and this is going to be a good one we're live at look B&B at how butchers. beautiful that is yeah we're live at b butchers and restaurant uh, at 1814 washington ave in houston b is also available in the shops at clear fork in fort worth and i can look across the parking lot and see b lemon which is also a really fun place to hang out and uh, they're the sponsors of the show so thank you we're glad to be here we'll be enjoying some cigars and we're excited to have, on his return to the show, uh, Greg Duxakis. Greg, am I pronouncing your last name right? Your singer, right? But I, I'm, I was excited at first, but now I'm feeling, I don't know. Uh, I don't like the idea of opening for Jeremiah. Oh, uh, well. You know? <laughs> no one does. He should be opening for he's me. He's closing the show for you. That's right, what it yes, is. Yes. He should do like 10 minutes of God knows what and say, and let's hear it for our man. Yeah, well, you know what it's kind of like? <laughs> you it's know kinda, him. It's kind of like when um, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar toured together after both of them did were they gone. really they yeah well, I have no recollection of, of that after both of them were gone from Van Halen they neither actually did they yeah, yeah. Well, they actually it, did it was the Eddie Van Halen Broken Hearts Club yeah. there huh? well they, they did what they called the Sam and Dave tour and uh, they came out and so it was like one show uh, Roth would open and Hagar would close and the next show Vice versa. Okay. Yeah. It was, so, at so, least they managed to agree on that. That was about all, I think. They, they so, so the next show that I'm on, I want Jeremiah here at least two hours early. Okay? Yes. He, uh, he'll be here early, and then you can make the grand entrance. Uh, well, and really, your entrance is much more now grand. Because you you you're can, the guy that's brought the bottle. Right? You can get Jeremiah here on time. You just have to tell him that our start time is 12.15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and he says, 12.15 p.m.? Um, so... Uh, so, welcome to the show, uh, Thank you. Greg. I noticed, by the way, that Jeremiah refers to you as Docs. Is yes, that, they all call me Docs. Everybody yeah. just calls you it's Docs. It's just easier that way. Okay. Here's the thing, though. I have a nephew that's a, uh, he's pitching for the uh, Aggies right now. Oh, nice. He's, he's doing very, very well, and they're calling him Docs, so I, I may lose the actual title to him. Uh-oh. He may be Docs. <laughs> he, may, he may be the real Docs. He may be Docs. Senior or something, yeah, uh, yeah. Uncle now, Doc. Now, the last time I saw you on this show, I was actually in Florida. Yes, and we were skyping myself. That's right. In. You were you were on Skype for that yes, show. Yes, that was, which means that I got to taste some amazing things that you of, did not yeah, get I was, to taste. I was a little jealous. About you were that, enjoying honestly. some some uh, some good so, crap here, as I recall. That's right. You didn't try anything last time. Yeah, no, well, I, I feel bad because I brought dummy bottles this time because I just assumed you tried everything. We're just going to talk about stuff, right? Ian. You got a beer though. That's good. Wow. Well, again. You just brought can, the boxes. Jeremiah can make as grand an interest as he wants. You've made the grandest because you began just before we went uh, live uh, by putting the uh, bottles on on the table. So, well, uh, yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, this is me peacocking here. I got to do something to bring attention to me, right? It's it's good. Yes, it's, and I, I it's li- working. By the way, yeah. I brought a little bit of everything. I brought some of our uh, plantation rum and some of our, of course, our Piafron cognac. Of course, we also do the Citadel gins. But uh, we wanted to stick with the brown brown spirits today. So Maison Ferrand is um, is a pretty large company, isn't it? How many different 
spirits do you guys uh, do you guys make? Well, we're a growing company, a growing concern, as some may say. Um, <laughs> it, we we do. Oh, you know, it, it's it's getting bigger every day, and it's, you're talking about SKUs of uh, various uh, products. I mean, it's it's. I've lost count. We got like over thirty or so, but we have our our, our four main. Uh, um, uh, labels are going to be, of course, the Pierre Ferrand Cognac, which was what you know, Maison Ferrand was built on. Uh, from there, uh, Citadel was born of that. That's our gin that we make in the exact same stills we make in the Pierre Ferrand Cognac. Uh, from there, Plantation was born. Uh, that's our line of rums that's made all over the Caribbean. We have, our, of course, our distillery in Barbados, which is the West Indies Rum Distillery. And we have two in Jamaica that were in partnership with the uh, Jamaican government. One is Long Pond, the other one is Clarendon. Uh, but, of course, we also have the Mathilde liqueurs. Uh, we do a full line of uh, French liqueurs, all natural. We go ranges anywhere from the classic orange cognac base right. to uh, the Fembois, which is raspberry, uh, right. the uh, cassis. But our most popular right now is peach. Uh, peach. We, yeah, it's, Interesting. It's, it's doing very well in cocktails across uh, the country. Right well, I'm, gonna, I'm sure I mentioned this to you last time you were on the show, uh, but um, my wife and I keep you guys at least moving to some degree in business. Uh, because we are both big fans, my wife especially, of your pineapple rum, the Plantation Pineapple Rum. The Stiggins, that, it's, yeah. it's Plantation Stiggins Fancy Pineapple Rum. Plantation Stiggins Fancy Pineapple Rum. What's great about it is, is that it's not just like, it's not flavored rum. It's rum that was matured in um, in barrels. Explain it to me where it gets. Where it gets the pine because there's I, I actual pineapple, uh, <laughs> but there's actual pineapple uh, wood, I guess, involved in this, right? No, 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 no pineapple wood. What it is is we take uh, uh, um, we take a small Victorian. Well, let me tell you what, what it all started from. Okay. So David Wondrich, a cocktail historian, he wrote uh, Imbibe. He wrote Punch. Um, he is a good friend of uh, Alexander Gabriel, our, our owner of our company and our master blender, and also just a good company. Just a good friend of Maison Ferrand in general. And he's worked with us on many of our spirits. Whenever there's a spirit that we want to create that uh, requires a little bit of research, uh, that's hard to research, he being that historian has uh, been very helpful in finding uh, the notes and, and direction of which way to make these spirits. Um, he helped us create our 1840 uh, 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 Pierre Ferrand Cognac. He helped us create our dry curso, a Pierre Ferrand dry curso. And... He was the inspiration behind uh, the uh, the Stiggins uh, Fancy Rum. Uh, there was a book that he was reading. It was uh, the uh, Charles Dickens Pickwick Papers. Oh, I feel like I'm cool. popping my peas. The Pickwick <laughs> Papers. That's a lot of peas. Pickwick Papers. Pickwick Papers. Um, Doug, Doug Harris would be so disappointed in me right now for popping my peas. <laughs> so hey, uh, join the club. Doug Harris has been disappointed in me for years. <laughs> so there's. Just, I mean, it's just that's just how it goes down. So love you, Doug. Uh, so in reading this, there was a character named Reverend Stiggins uh, who preached the evils of alcohol, but at the same time was known throughout the book to be drinking pineapple rum, and that's just delicious hypocrisy. You can't, you know, can't, can't resist that. So we wanted to do some research, and we found out that pineapple rum actually was a delicacy back in Victorian times. And so we wanted to see if we could recreate what they may have been drinking. Uh, and thanks to David Wonder's help in doing some research, we come to find that, uh, uh, again, it was a delicacy in that time. Uh, we did research with over 100 varieties of pineapple. And as, uh, uh, you know, just uh, coincidentally, the one that worked, oh, wait, wait, wait let's wait. Oh, the, the, oh, what's the happening grand entrance has, has arrived. Yes, this is, this is like when Don Rickles used to show up on the Tonight Show. Yeah. Like you know, when Ned will be talking, he comes walking out. <laughs> Everything would stop. Yes, welcome Jeremiah Butler. What's going on? Nice guys? to have you here. So he was he was filling us in on how the pineapple rum 
what the origin was of the uh, right. Stiggins. Awesome. Please, I want to hear this story as well. So, so what, what ended up was we, after trying a uh, hundred different varieties of pineapple, we settled on uh, Victorian pineapples. That's just a coincidence. Victorian. Small, very juicy, full of flavor. Um, and we use those. And the way what we do is the way we pineapple the rum is we take our three-star rum, which is going to be a blend of Barbados, Jamaican, and Trinidad rums. Right. Uh, we take our original dark rum, uh, which is going to be a blend of uh, Barbados and Jamaican rum. Uh, we take the skin of the pineapples. We put that inside their Plantation 3 Star. We redistill that in the Pierre Ferron cognac barrels. Nice. Uh, cognac stills. We redistill yeah. it in the cognac stills. And we let, put the meat of the pineapple inside the original dark and let that sit. We blend them together, put them back inside the Pierre Ferron cognac barrels like all plantation rum is aged or double aged. Mm-hmm. And then we have our pineapple rum. So a lot of work goes into it. W- when you redistill, like it's just the raw pineapple skin in the bottom of the still? Do you referment it? Like, do, no, no, do, no, no, nothing referment. It's, it's uh, you just the, the skins inside the actual just rum. Just to get like the, the pith, the, the bitter. Yep. That, wow. If, you, if you want, we'll call it the pineapple leaves. If sure, you want, you know? sure, yeah. sure. What, what I love about that rum, and you know, it's, I will tell you it's the only spirit i can think of other than maybe bottles of like champagne or sparkling wine that we always at my house have at least three of in the bar <laughs> just in case we go in and can't find it because it's um, when i say it's a regular it's a re- i mean we we drink it very regularly but what i love about it is there's nothing about it that's sweet when when i first tried it i was expecting a pineapple that sweetness sweet to it and i was expecting not yeah. to like that with with rum. Now, uh, I, I should back up. Rum is always a little bit sweet because, sure. of, yeah. because of, of what it is. Right. But but I was expecting it to be even sweeter with the pineapple, and that's not it at all. It just has – it's it's wonderful. Well, and, and I think maybe Docs will probably agree. I think that term sweet, I think sometimes it's like misappropriated to rum. Like, right. Like it's got that kind of figgy, you know, dried fruity right. note. With yeah. Like in wine, you see it sometimes. To be like, oh, it's a sweeter red. It's not. It's, right. it's a more character – but but Red. there are sometimes when you try let's say an infused vodka for example sure. that it will take on some sweetness from whatever it has been infused with and that it's just that's not the case at all. Doc's can offer you a cigar. I have a Padron. No, I'm good. <laughs> so it's anyway uh, I, we got off on that rum which isn't even part of what you brought but but that's a uh, that's a regular part of your portfolio that I'm that I'm grabbing whenever I see it on the show. It, it's, it's become, it's, it's taken on a life of its own. And, you really know, uh, we, we make more every year. You know, we, this started up, it, you know, we did the first time as sort of a lark. We, we had no idea it was going to be this big. We made it for the cams uh, and, and Tales of the Cocktail. If you don't know, Tales of the Cocktail is the big uh, bartender mm-hmm. convention every year right, in, right. in New Orleans. The cams are the volunteer bartenders who, you know, make a thousand uh, 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 pots of, uh, uh, of simple syrup. They, they squeeze a thousand, or excuse yeah, me, a, a million lemons. Yeah. They work the caps. Cap, what did I say, caps? Yeah, cap, but Sorry, caps, yeah. Caps means chain account managers. I'm thinking business. Caps. <laughs> thank you, caps. <laughs> call the caps. Cocktail uh, assistant program. Thank you. So uh, uh, anyway, we made it for them. And the first time I ever tried it, Man. we were hanging out uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, a bar on Decatur Street. And our Chicago guy, um, a gentleman Wait, by the name of... Oh, there's a bar on Decatur Street? <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 were, we were at a special event there. And, uh, um, and our guy, Victor Bouvier, he actually used to be here. He's our Chicago guy now. He had a bottle. And he worked for the company at that time. I did not. I still worked for Republic. And he let me try it. 
and he had to chase me down to Kater Street to get that bottle back. <laughs> I, I ran I with it. Why. I ran with that bottle. I and and, and so that was 2014, and then we were launched it to the pub to the public in 2016. We only made like I don't know, I, I couldn't tell you how many bottles, but uh, we only got like 150 cases in Texas. Right now, we got like a thousand cases on its way in Texas right now. Well, yeah, I know. I know. When we first discovered it, it was difficult to find. I mean, you'd you'd clear the store out of what they had on the shelf. You'd go back in, and it wouldn't be restocked for a while. Uh, well, now it's a, a little more, a little more easy to find. So that's good. Well, like you know, we 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 make more every year, and it's it's a lot of work. And the, when we had our, our our team meetings there in January, we had all the European uh, teams, all the American teams, about forty of us in total, and uh, we uh, made a batch. We we cut. Uh, it must have been at least a hundred cases of pineapple. Wow! You know, we, we we put on some tropical music. Uh, we all had our <laughs> we all we all had our, our little knives and our cutting boards. Towards the end, we had a pineapple skin fight. You know, <laughs> no, no, not pineapple skin fight because we use the skins. It was just the heads. Oh, yeah. Pictures the head out there. They're throwing they're throwing uh, the pineapple heads at each other. Tomorrow, I don't mm-hmm. like this. Was like OSHA OSHA sanctioned. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I bet it no. wasn't. <laughs> and there might have been a, the occasional cut. Uh, you know, yeah. so there might be a little bit of Doc's DNA in there. I'm kidding. Uh. <laughs> Well, <laughs> the, other, the other thing that I'll just say about it before we move on is that, uh, and this I think is true of all of the plantation rums in your lineup, is these are very inexpensively priced. They're not, they're not things where you go and you, like, you know, really plunk down a lot of money, but you get them home and the quality level is just, it's spectacular. So I would say that the one constant with all the uh, uh, the, the plantation rums, other than the, da- the double maturation. That being uh, bourbon barrels in its native country, and then Pierre Ferrand barrels back in France. That's every plantation. Um, The quality is a constant, but the flavor profile is going to be all over the flavor wheel. The price, uh, we have our more expensive ones, and we have our more affordable ones. So I think, uh, um, and it really is going to come down to, for the most part, the rarity of the product. Right, sure. For the most part, uh, um, but that's not always necessarily true. I brought a couple things today. Uh, some you may rarity, have tried, uh, some you may have not. But I tell you what, can we start with the cognac? Oh yeah, absolutely. And where, I didn't where, mean where, to, where's, where's the OFTD? What? Where's the OFTD? I just gave it to Kalen Self. Uh, <laughs> I had a bottle in my backpack. I just gave it to Kalen Self from Anvil about, about I've twenty known minutes ago. How much you hated me we, for we, years? We, we had lunch, and I promised her a bottle of bo- a bottle of rum back in, in December, and I finally came through. Well, so. Uh, but I didn't mean to divert us to rum. Uh, we can absolutely start with, with cognac, and and uh, let's uh, uh, let's let you send us well, down the right path here. Sh- should we revisit an old friend first? Let's do. All right, I'm gonna put my microphone down here. I- I'm pretty much all new at this, so you can start yeah. anywhere with me. Well, uh, the ombre. <laughs> this is. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is the amber. Is that right? Ombre. Uh, ombre. Ombre. Yeah. So this is where it all started. This is our, our flagship cognac, if you will. So the one thing uh, that you need to understand about uh, Pierre Franc cognac that separates us from most cognac producers is that everything we do is 100% Grand Champagne cognac. Now, the bigger producers out there, uh, you know, they make quality cognacs from top to bottom. In my opinion, it's hard to make a bad cognac. You know, there's a lot of rules. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, we all have the same regulations of what kind of grape we can use. We all use open flame uh, sh- uh, Chante uh, copper pot stills, and we all use French oak. Um, so I think all cognacs are good cognacs. So you're saying if the rules are followed, that it's difficult to make 
a bad cognac. Well, they have to be followed. If you're not following them, you're not making then cognac. Not and, cognac and, right. and, yeah, yeah, um, more on that. Let's put a pin on that one. So there's a funny yeah. story behind that. So, uh, But what makes us special... Uh, for the most part, is the fact that everything we offer is 100% Grand Champagne Cognac. To put that in perspective, the all the other most of the other bigger uh, producers, uh, the only thing they're going to offer it's 100% Grand Champagne Cognac. It's going to be the Louis Treize, uh, the, the $2,000 bottle, $3,000 right, bottle. Right, right, right. Tremendous cognacs, um, but everything from our, you know, our, our initial offering to our rare $200 bottle, $1,000 bottle, 100% Grand Champagne. And by the way, when we get through this, uh, we can all we can go all the way to the top of the pyramid. I've got the ancestral downstairs. As well. Hold on to it. We're not making it anymore. Oh, yeah, that's the last of it. Uh-huh. We got some. Uh, we, we got some up in Texas. News, yeah, news flash: the price of ancestral at B and B just went up. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let me ask you this: using obviously you're using a, a higher quality champagne, but what does it do to the cognac itself? How does how does that make it better? Good question. So let's back up a minute. This is not a champagne grape. Okay. So, you know, when we say Grand Champagne is a reference to the territory of where the grapes are grown. So in cognac, you have the six territories of Grand Champagne, Petit Champagne, which ironically enough is smaller than Grand Champagne in, in size alone. Right. Uh, you have Baudary, Fembois, Bonbois, uh, Fembois, Bonbois, Bois Audenaire. And think of it as a, as a dartboard. And right there in the middle... Uh, is Grand Champagne, and the further you get out to the other territories, the lesser the quality of the soil. Now, why is the soil better? Higher concentration of chalk and limestone. That's it. Wow. Lots of chalk and limestone, lots of minerals in the soil. They maintain moisture better. You're just going to grow better fruit, a better quality of grape. Gotcha. Um, and you know, and there, you, you, there, there are good, uh, 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 you know, we're called uh, uh, um, Fine, Fine Champagne. Uh, uh, um, Cognac was going to be a, a, a blend between Petit and Grand Champagne. There's good Bordelais. There's good, uh, you know, uh, some some of the uh, Bon Blas. But at the purest, at the best fruit is going to be Grand Champagne, for sure. All right? okay. uh, that's generally accepted in the Cognac world. And that's why when you get 100% Grand Champagne from the larger producers, you're going to pay $2,000 a bottle. There's a reason for that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Uh, the grapes. The grapes we use, uh, the varietals, uh, for the most part, we're going to be using uh, Uni Blanc and, and a little bit of Colombard in some of these. There's like seven varietals that cognac makers can use, but the three main ones are going to be Folie Blanc, Uni Blanc, and Colombard. All right? So, what else are we doing to make our stuff special? Um, we, we use, uh, you know, let, let, let's taste something first. I like this guy. Him. He asks yeah. his own questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Makes it real have, easy. He's he not interviewing him. No, he, he asked the question. He asked the question. I didn't about, have to about, do a lot of work for this show, uh, getting prepared because because uh, I knew this. But well, now in terms of tasting, uh, I've already had a sip here, Ian. Since you didn't get to taste this the last time, talk to me about your uh, initial reaction. Well, to the so unboxing. this is. Uh, I'm not that familiar with cognac, to be honest with you. Uh, I just—it's not on my radar in general. Uh, this is an absolute delight. I've had some cognacs before that I thought were a little too musky, um, a little too uh, heavy-handed. Yeah. Kind of. This right here is actually light and refreshing. You can definitely taste that—that—that uh, that, that light grapeiness to it. That really, mm-hmm. really. Is, and then I love how oily it is. I love how it coats the mouth and the flavor just kind of, I mean, just goes everywhere across the palate. Um, and then finishes so light and so delicious it kind of leaves you wanting a little more. 
So this is the Pierrefron Ombre, uh, Ombre, Ombre. Uh, and it is our initial offering. It's the one we started making in the first place. Uh, it's going to be a blend of 90% Uni Blanc, 10% Colombard grapes. Uh, the cognac itself is going to be anywhere from um, four to six years old with a 10 to 12 year old Bonificatura. When I, I'm going to hear my favorite phrase. Bonificatura is the oldest cognac we put in there. Right. So the base cognac, anywhere from four to six years old, the, the oldest cognac that we're putting in there to uh, give it a base, to give it that kickstart, is going to be anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. So we sometimes say average 10 years old, though it's not a true average. You know, to, to, to give you the, the average age, every blend would be impossible. Would be slightly different. So yeah, we could right. say like a tasting age of 10 years old. So it's blended for taste, though, not for age, right? 100%. And that's gotcha. pretty much a good rule of thumb uh, with cognacs, where cognac varies from scotches. It's not always about the age. It's about the blend. And not only that, you're not going to find many single-barrel cognacs out there. Right. right. Cognac is about blending. It's about, uh, it, it's about what you're doing with those barrels. Most of the major producers don't even do their, most of their own distillation. But that's not a knock on them. The art of cognac, because everybody's using the same kind of stills, everybody's the using an open flame. Yeah. The art of what you're doing next is going to be the, uh, the, the, blending. Uh, the blending after the aging, for sure. Yeah. Which is um, an amazing, an amazing talent, I think, to take. Like, let's say you have this this staple of your brand right here, and you have a guy whose job it is to take an an, an infinitely variable source, like to some degree. And create this flavor profile as close to it consistently over and over again. That's pretty amazing. Well, it, it is amazing, and we call him a master blender for a reason. Yeah. He had to train 20 years to get that title. I love where the heat hits the uh, palate on this, by the way. There's just a little bit of heat on this, and it's interesting because, like, on a lot of whiskeys, you get that what I like to call the whiskey hug mm-hmm. that, that is in the back, very back of the palate, and then sometimes comes back up, and you feel it right here. This... The heat is interesting because on the very outside at the back of mm-hmm. my mouth, uh, and it's kind of a tangy kind of heat. And it also it. comes about three quarters of the way through the experience. Right. You know, yeah. it doesn't doesn't necessarily come up front. Doesn't necessarily come at the end. It's it's part way through. It's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting way to experience it. I, uh, go ahead. No. I I was just going to ask you, and we'll take a break here in a second. Come back, try some more things. Try a little craft beer and talk about these cigars because we've all. Uh, lit them now and i see jeremiah seems to be particularly enjoying his so um so so we'll, we'll get back to that but i did want to ask about cognac like i think of cognac as being that bottle that you've got to have you know one or two in your bar you're going to enjoy it as an after dinner drink occasionally i don't necessarily think of it as something that would sell nearly as much as say you know a bourbon or a rum or uh something am i correct on that that this is more of a let's call it a specialized spirit or or does it does it move uh, do do people drink it more regularly than i'm thinking i'm going to call it a misunderstood spirit okay. um so i'm going to give a little history here uh in the 1800s there was this uh epidemic called the phylloxera epidemic it wiped out the vineyards of europe and what it was it was a pest that actually came oh, from nice. Denton, Denton, texas it came from uh, somehow it made its way over to Europe and it and decimated this. And the not the last pest that will come from Denton, Texas, by the way. But, <laughs> but I digress. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, you digressed the hell out of me right there. All right. So. <laughs> you derailed them. Wow. So, this thing, it just, it just killed the vineyards of Europe. You couldn't get wine, you couldn't get brandy from Europe for the longest time. Right. And before that, and cognac and brandy was, was like the most, uh, uh, brandy in particular, 
was the most consumed spirit worldwide. I did not know that. That's and when crazy. and when Americans, uh, well, not just Americans, but people just across the globe, including Americans, when they could not get whiskey for uh, excuse me, cognac for the longest time or brandy, they started using more whiskey in cocktails. Some of your classic cocktails were, were that are made with whiskey now are originally made with brandy. Um, you have the julep. Uh, you have the Manhattan one. Sazerac. Sazerac, for sure. In fact, we make a. Uh, uh, he uses it here, I believe. The, the 1840. We have a cognac uh, that's a younger, more bolder cognac at 90 proof that we created just for cocktails to get some of that little golden age cocktail era back. But here's what I'm going with this, is that when it wiped it out, there was like, uh, I think a quarter of a million acres of vines in cognac alone, uh, pre-phylloxera. And to this day, we are still like, I think at 125,000. Really? Wow. It's not that we haven't had time to grow them back. The demand has not come back yet. I see. Gotcha. So what once ruled as king of all spirits, and I'm talking about brandy in general, not just cognac, because at the end of the day, uh, cognac is just brandy made in the cognac. Very specific place, yeah. 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 So, um, so just the demand has not come back. And when I say it's a misunderstood spirit, I think that a lot of times people think it's either too upper class or think it's too hip-hop. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. Totally. Where, you know, and, and, but we're, we're starting to see some uh, bleed into the whiskey world. I mean, you've seen us at, a Houston, at the Houston Bourbon Society, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the Whiskey Social. The Whiskey Social. Uh, whiskey social. Uh, we see these guys post all the time about our cognacs. They love our cognac. Yes. And it's nice to see that they're, 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 they're branching out and trying new spirits. And, and not just our cognac, but other cognacs also. A yeah. big fan of your cognacs, actually, is uh, uh, Chris Hart. Yeah. Who yeah. nobody cares about. Nobody cares who? about uh, that guy. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk more about Chris, who nobody cares about. Uh, I, I do have some questions for you about the Whiskey Social, uh, which you guys were at, and I uh, enjoyed seeing you there and sampling a number of your wares. And we want to come back and do a little more cognac. I'm sure Jeremiah's got some things on his mind as well. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting. And we are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. Be right back. Welcome back, my friends. Smoking and toasting. It's show number 137, by the way. Can you believe we've been around that long? Uh, uh, see, see, you changed it up. You changed it up. I like that. <laughs> uh, show number 137. Uh, we're enjoying cigars and uh, uh, fine spirits from Maison Ferrand. We're live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, which is the very institution that brings you the show, by the way. Uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And right across the street, of course, from the Houston location is B&B Lemon. Uh, you call it B&B Lemon, right? That's B.B. Lemon. B.B. Lemon. B.B. Lemon. See, I, I thought I noticed when we were there that the staff was saying B.B. Lemon. And I didn't know if that was just yeah, so, shorthand. So, or... so we're B&B Butchers, but the offshoots are B.B. So B.B. Lemon and then B.B. Italia just opened over off Memorial and Dairy Ashford, which oh, is the so, old Carmelo's. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Um, yeah, that happened. Don't do some marketing, man. Come on. <laughs> I love Italian. That's what it's all about. Because now, we're already too busy. To, we're so, they like us. They now, really like us. Now, Ian and I uh, brought our wives to dinner here, sat actually right in this general area. Right in that uh, corner. Just a couple of weeks ago. Had a fantastic dinner uh, here at B&B. And I couldn't help but look around and notice that the place was just, I mean, you were just rocking that night. It yeah. was. A, it was a, so uh, I thought it would be... You know, worthwhile to point out, and you know, with you here, it's especially good that clearly 
your sponsorship of the Smoking and Toasting show has taken off. Has yeah, yeah, obviously just yes. made it like well, I mean, crazy. I, I'd like to think it's like one hand washes the other. Like without without us, there's no 138th episode. Well, without you guys, true. there's that's no tomorrow true. at B and B. You know, with you without you, there would have been no final hour to the hundredth episode. Yeah. So that was that was a uh, that, that was an important piece of the history of the show as well. Oh, so man, that's where we drank that crazy navy rum. The no, speaking of, yeah, speaking yeah, of yeah. Chris Hart ruining lives. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and tomorrow mornings. Yes, I love yeah, that crazy yeah. Navy. He, he gave me some of that. I have a little vial of it on, oh, on, on, it is, on my bar at home. It's and every an insane now and then piece I'll, of history. I, I keep it around to remind me what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, you were, I think, finishing up about uh, about the cognac that we were drinking a moment yeah, ago. Yeah, just a couple of things about uh, what makes us different from from your typical uh, cognac uh, producer that makes us it gives us kind of that, that cut above. Um, it's not only just the uh, the the Grand Humps and Grand Champagne. Uh, it's also we uh, like to practice uh, different kinds of cellars. We use a uh, mixture of, of uh, dry and humid cellars. Dry cellars are going to uh, produce a much more forward, sharper spirit, or the humid cellars due to the uh, moisture in the air is going to be softer, more rounder spirits. So depending on what cognac we want to produce, we're going to vary what kind of uh, cellar we use. For example, the, uh, the ombre, it was going to be mostly uh, humid cellars. So a very well-rounded, very soft, uh, more inviting cognac. All right. Secondly, we use lees in our uh, distillation. Say that again? Lees. That's okay. like drastically it's, uncommon. It's, it's, mm-hmm. ba- it's basically just the, the, the skin. It's the skin of the, of the grape that's left in during the fermentation process mm-hmm. where uh, most producers will filter it out and just use the actual wine. Uh, we're leaving the leaves in there, uh, depending on, on heavy, how heavy the leaves are. Again, the more bolder spirit. So this is the, the ombre are going to be uh, uh, medium leaves on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when we get to like the reserve or some of these others, will that be will that be different? Yes. Okay. The, the, it'll, it'll vary from 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 Karnak to Karnak. The, the, definitely, the reserve is going to be heavier leaves, and something like uh, uh, um, well, the Renegade Barrel right here. That's definitely going to be heavier leaves. So I'm really excited to try that one. First, though, I, I, we're going to uh, switch momentarily to craft beer because we brought along something from Austin, Texas, from the Fourth Tap Brewing Co-op that is called the Brute of All Evil. And I don't know, we're not that close to the camera, but I'll show the camera the uh, uh, the can. I, I can make this happen. Uh, oh, Watch this. See, Ian and his wireless microphone have enabled us uh, to do. Can, uh, can you see how close-up. wireless I, would I am? Like to take yeah. a moment to point out the high production value on yeah. the close-up. Oh, once again, this no is, need to fix anything in post. You know, this is yeah. This is uh, this is how we do it. Um, well done, Mr. Deville. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so it was a great uh, line. It was a great line. I wish I could have heard it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, to sum up, uh, Doc's just well done, Mr. Demille. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so this is a brewed IPA from the uh, boys from Austin uh, at Fourth Tap, which is. Uh, Getting no small amount of uh, of uh, of buzz these days. Now, as perhaps I can really get a little education here from you. So is like I'm not obviously as beer savvy as some. Um, is brute IPA like is like 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 like, like dry like yes, champagne? Yes, it's, it's the okay. same thing that you would think of uh, when that word With is used in, in a sparkling wine, okay. which is it's a drier. So you'll notice when you taste this, it's drier on the palate than, say, a typical IPA would be. And I will also say this. I don't think I have tasted, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, I don't think I have tasted a brute craft beer that wasn't an IPA. This I think smells this may be, outstanding. may be it's unique to the world of IPA. So uh, The um, smell was so good I could not wait to taste on, it. On the can they say body light, hoppiness. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Actually, that is what it says. Yes. Easy on one side and ridiculous on the other. 
uh, and it's all the the lever is all the way over to Riddick, and then balance uh, sweeter than bitter is how they have. Uh, it is how they definitely have not as bitter as I was preparing myself for. But like Ian, how sessionable does that thing taste? I this this is dangerous. <laughs> this is so easy to drink. <laughs> yeah, so this is an IPA. This is an IPA. So not having a trained beer palate, and I, I you know I, I used to drink a lot of beer a little bit still these days, not much. But one thing I noticed right away is the number one complaint that I hear from people that don't like IPAs, I know this myself, there is a vegetalness to, to IPAs. It's almost like a canned peas thing. Yes. It, you know it, what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Some people throws them off. This does not have that. Ian calls it chewing on a pine cone. Yes, yeah. that, that yeah. pine cone resinous flavor that you get on the end. Uh, this right here has... You, you had older brothers, right? <laughs> That's why I got to so, chew on some pine cones. Yeah. Well, you know, there, and listen, there are hopheads, the Absolutely. real hophead uh, fiends that love that. It's what they're looking for. Yes. And a well, lot of, in particular, the specialty IPAs. I was just about to say, you have those guys making, like, pallet records. This has a, yeah. what's yep. funny is it's a brute of all evil. You'd expect this to be a big. Angry. Yeah, a big, ridiculous flavor. This is actually pretty delicate overall. Well, it is the aroma in terms of hoppiness, adds but it's so not. much of the flavor to it. Yes, even beyond the the uh, you know what you get directly on the palate, the aroma has that super nice. It's hoppy. It's it's got a little of that aromatic thing going on, but it's also you can smell the maltiness in it a little bit. But neither one of those things is huge at the beginning of the palate. It's like they blend and then. And then they kind of go separate ways on the palate where you get just a little bit of that multi-sweet roll all the way through. And the, the hoppiness in this has no real bitter um, harshness to That's it right. at all. It's really yeah. soft. I yeah. I'm telling you, the first, my first little of my mind was sessionable. Can I have another one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the Pierre Ferrand Ombre went so nicely with this cigar, wow. which, by the way, Ian gave oh, absolutely. it before the show. Uh, this is a uh, Bolivar from Havana. Oh, so excellent. This is a really, really nice Cuban. We used to do that Pierre Ferrand cigar uh, uh, cognac. We, we don't make it anymore, unfortunately. It, I remember it, seeing that. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a little bit of bolder Leather. cut. It had a lot more, I remember correctly. God, it's been a while. Uh, I think it had a lot more dry cellar cognac. No, no, it was human cellar. Um, I'm, I'm, I've kind of deleted the file because we're not making it anymore. <laughs> and but it was. was I can sp- tell you the tasting notes. You, if, if you see it, we'll find out some independence here now and then. Maybe the occasional specs you'll still see it on shelf. If you find it, buy it. We're not making it anymore. And the reason why we call it cigars because the flavor profile, the rancio of it, was perfect for keeping the palate uh, uh, refreshed, almost like scraping off that numbness that you get right. from smoking a cigar. Uh-huh. It was just perfect for it. Well, and the reason we want to make it anymore because it didn't sell anywhere except for. Texas. It's sold in Texas. <laughs> I said, we'll keep making it for Texas. It's come a big on, state. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I was just going to say, it, uh, the cigar went so well with the ombre, I was actually a little worried about opening the uh, IPA because I didn't want that to get in the way of, you know, the way these two were pairing. But I'll say this, the, this uh, Brood of All Evil pairs beautifully with the cigar. And that's, for for an IPA, that's saying something because, as, as I've mentioned many times on the show, I... I do love the IPAs, but enjoying them with cigars is challenging. It is challenging. Yes, absolutely. There are certainly some that work. Yellow Rose um, from... Uh, Lone Pine. Uh, yeah. Well, that's Lone because Pine that is the mind. single greatest IPA the earth has ever seen. Okay, so you and I are definitely in agreement <laughs> on this. We really uh, are. I, I'm sorry. Like, it's just that is the greatest IPA I've ever had. I will also mention that one we had on the show a few weeks back, um, which was the... Um, the Wolf Picker IPA mm-hmm. from Odell's. I have been enjoying that with cigars as well, and it's 
Wow, it is so close to being as good as the uh, Lone Pine. So our uh, buddy Brian on here posted on the uh, comments here, style comparison for the AHA. Hopped in a similar fashion to New England IPA, but without the sweetness. Pale, sometimes slightly hazy like a West Coast IPA, but without the high bitterness. Yes. Highly carbonated, and agree with that, like a Belgian strong ale, but even drier and without the spice, it uh, is, Belgian spice and phenol character. And it is both uh, hazy and very light in color. It's very pale. This uh, is. Tell, did so. you get this here? Did you get I this did. out in Austin? Okay, no, I'm, I got this. Uh, I got this in Houston. You are going My to directly affect sales because I will be buying some of well, that. Well, as we as we have mentioned many times on this show, smoking and toasting does, in addition to affecting the crowds at B and B butchers and restaurants. They're making that in Austin. Uh, yes, this is for Austin. Austin. I'm going uh, to be in Austin next week. I'm going to have to swing by and see if they like cognac. <laughs> <laughs> Make a trade. Yeah. I will tell you though, smoking and toasting directly affecting sales because Ian's going to be buying, you know, immediately. A six pack of those on yeah, his way home. that's so, good. So that's good stuff. Uh, this is uh, smoking and toasting. Our show is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Um, Jeremiah, what are you smoking there, buddy? This I, I too am on the Cuban train today. Uh, I had a very nice um, regular from here at B&B. He's become a buddy of mine. Uh, Joe, shout out to Joe Savoy. Congratulations on the baby. Didn't you meet um, him at the... Uh, at the Whiskey Stand, yeah. I was telling y'all. Uh, Another is match a, from the Whiskey Social. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this was a Hoyo de Monterey Havana. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really light, creamy. Um, again, really, really well paired with uh, Veron Ombre. Um, but I also think this thing, this guy, it's got enough grip that I think when we get into some of the bigger flavor profiles, like, yep. you know, the, the, the selection of the orange and the other stuff that Doc's going to talk about, it's pretty versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, I haven't I'm seen the uh, Epicure special. I have the Epicure number twos in my humidor right now, and they're outstanding. Yeah, and, and I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what the difference between the two is, um, but I, I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'll yeah, tell you the, that. The, the uh, ones that I've have been outstanding, nice complex flavors without being like a sledgehammer. Yeah, yours looks a little bit darker and more mysterious. What do so you got going on this there? This one, this is Don Pepin Garcia. A buddy of mine picked this up at the uh, store the other day and goes, I picked this up because it looked like you. <laughs> I, I could concur that if I saw that on sitting on a shelf, I would think Ian. So uh, this is the Don Pepin Garcia TAA exclusive, the Tobacco Association of America exclusive. And a lot of uh, a lot of companies have done uh, a specific blend for the Tobacco Association of America. Um, so if you see that TAA uh, tag, those are pretty much one-off batches that uh, you should snap it up and try it. Uh, this right here is a big, uh, dark, smooth, Maduro-looking thing. And it is all cedar and wood. This yeah. this is fun. Uh, it's got some complexity and some other little flavors underlying. It's got a little coffee, a little bit of a uh, little bit of chocolate, but like, um, but not sweet chocolate. Like chocolate, like cooking chocolate powder, like kind a of cocoa chocolate. nib, yeah, yeah, cocoa like nib kind of thing. Um, and it's going great with everything that we've had so far. That's awesome. I'm enjoying the uh, the Cuban Bolivar. It's uh, it's got a lot of. Uh, I don't know what how to exactly describe this flavor but i call it cuban reddishness like there's a certain i describe it more as a color than a flavor there's a certain sort of red flavor that really good cuban cigars often have. ironic cuban and yeah red flavor. well yeah i know i'm just i'm just 
say it because I don't quite know how to. It's an earthiness, but it's an earthiness that's really unique only to sure. uh, yes, Cuban cigars that I've had. It's a yeah. very Cuban thing. That's, that yeah. particular cigar I found is very complex. As yes, well. it is. It is. It's, it's really nice and so far going well with all of this. By the way, there is some major cigar news I wanted to pass on. Uh, the largest, uh, one of the largest brands in the cigar business is for sale. Imperial Brands, uh, they own Altadas, they own Monte Cristo, they own Tabacalera, they own um, JR Cigar, oh, wow. they own Casa de Monte Cristo, uh, which has now, what, what about a dozen locations across the, the U.S., if not more. Uh, uh, so, and all of the, all of those major brands, Monte Cristo and, um, and the, the major mainstream brands, these guys are, for Romeo and Julieta, H. Upman, uh, and they also own 50% of Habanos uh, South America out of Cuba. Oh, wow. They are wow. for sale. And so who knows how that sale might or might not impact the cigar world, and so, so, depending on who buys it. Uh, yeah. It, now, is there anything like about why that would be? Are they having issues? Is somebody trying to get out of the business? You know, is it a I, I don't, profitability I, problem? It doesn't really say in the... Uh, in the um, uh, in the article, which uh, appeared initially in Cigar Aficionado, but they announced their intent to get out of the premium cigar business and called the move part of a $2.6 billion divestment program. The sale of the business provides an attractive opportunity to realize shareholder value, they said in their statement, and the program supports their ongoing simplification agenda and will release capital to pay down debt where appropriate and invest in growth agenda where appropriate. So... Um, Sounds like they're firing a bunch of people and sizing down. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, they acquired uh, Altadas uh, South America in 2007 for 16.2 billion euros, which is about 22.4 billion dollars at the time. The sale, yeah, looks like quite a bit less than that. So, I don't know. Very interesting that stuff. That is interesting. Yeah, uh, and how that will so affect a the lot of those. See what develops from that. Yeah, yes, well, exactly. a lot of those brands are. I don't want to call them like. They're not lesser bread, but like the more approachable. They're less boutique, less uh, right. Well, yeah. If you think of Monte Cristo or H. Upman or you know, uh, Romeo and Julieta, those are kind of like I, I, I don't please. They're industry uh, standards. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're also kind of intro. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like I, I remember learning about those cigars far before I understood what a Maduro was or, sure. or the significance of a box pack Padron. First cigars or, I ever smoked were Romeo and Julieta. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then so, I think I moved right into a Monte Cristo Churchill. Right. Like, exactly. So. So it, it'll be really interesting. Obviously, these are big brands. They're successful brands. Uh, so I don't in any way look for them to go away. And we don't talk that much about the cigar business on the show but because uh, there's always sales of this and that and what have you. But, uh, but this one could be interesting. We'll, we'll pay attention. All right. We want to bring Docs back into the conversation because we're going to go another spirit direction here, and I don't know what he's thinking. I was totally thrown off here for a minute. I'm looking at my backpack, and you see how it's red right there? I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. remember it being red. Anyway, the interior of the backpack. <laughs> Glad to know you're with us, Doc. <laughs> Tells you how much it goes in and out of hey, the backpack. Just, we're over here. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeremiah's used to this. Like, Doc's like, something shiny. What was that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, so. you know, when Jeremiah starts talking, who knows where That's, that's why we strategically placed him facing away from the rest of the restaurant. So, so, so what's really funny, like I was talking about JR, Cigar, and all of them, and all of that's ringing some very familiar bells with me because I spent so much time at Downing Street with our, our boy Dave Mascari. Is he still here? 
He's actually at BB Lemon. So. He's at BB Lemon. Well, yeah, which you, they also you, you, you uh, have a cigar them, friendly um, uh, cigar friendly garden patio, out yeah. there. Yeah. So you please. Can go back we did about, that. We did that a month ago. About we four shows ago. Yes, yeah, we were out in the garden enjoying cigars. If you have curious about a, a cigar and, and, a, and, a, and a cocktail? Go see Dave over there. So. Um, yeah, so so all that rung, rung I knew all those names. I, I I understood that. I understood the reference. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, so where are we going next, spirit wise, Doc? So let, let's jump over to the plantation rum. Um, you know, plantation. Oh no, I couldn't. <laughs> I insist. Um, are so we finally going to answer the question: What do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> uh, what time of day? <laughs> Is it early in the morning? Early, yes. Great. Now I got Curious that in my head. Uh, you know what? Let's just, you let's just skip pocket. all this. And let's just do a let's do a little junky tune and all sing that song together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with a Duncan sailor? What do you? All right. Okay. We shiny, managed to refrain. Shiny things. Shiny right. things. Okay. 137. That was the episode that it featured the first singing. <laughs> there you go. And the last. And the last. <laughs> Other than the intro, of course, which is very splendidly done by. Uh, uh, John, Egan. John Egan. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to share it. with you our, our next big thing. We're super proud of this one. But before I do, I want to talk a little bit about Plantation as a brand. So, and you and I talked about this before. We, we talked about it, and you fully understand this. But there is no Plantation Distillery, and there never will be a Plantation Distillery. Where it was born, um, you know, we started selling uh, cognac barrels to uh, uh, rum producers because uh, to cover some expenses when we first started doing Citadel, our gin. Right. This is over 20 years ago, mind you. Um, well, gin at B&B, by the way. Thank you. It's, it's, you know, well, okay. You know, see, stop with the shiny things. Talk about Citadel later. <laughs> uh, on point, on point. So, uh, once, you know, once we got all good and well with that, you know, we started saying to some of the rum producers, hey, instead of us selling you the barrels, why don't you sell us some, some rum and we're going to age it right here in Cognac? Because there's a huge difference uh, between tropical and continental aging. Tropical aging being inside the Caribbean, wherever that rum happens to be made and aged, right. to where it's going to be aged in the con same Cognac barrels in France. Completely different thing due to, to different uh, temperatures and moisture. Climate's got a lot to do with it. So, having said that, though, we do own the West, Indi West Indies said undies west indies rum distillery in barbados the largest one on the island we own two claritin and, and jamaica and long pond in partnership with the jamaican government but they'll never be called the plantation distillery because plantation at its heart is about the diversity of the terroir of rum i was going to say it's about all of these uh, rums all of these different styles all different styles different it, islands you know, and, and the contrast where it comes like, from. Yes. So, like uh, jamaican rum is different from barbados rum which is different from saint lucia from uh, mm -hmm. haiti from peru from cuba and we get rums from all these countries well, well, but my question there would be, you know, like, so how, how different is, you know, the same way that the age of the different climates in the different places are affecting, like, how different is the sugar cane grown in each of those places that's used to make the rum? Like, is there There is a, a difference in that, but it's uh, very few countries are growing their own sugar cane. Understood. Very few countries are making their own molasses. Understood. Uh, um, so uh, it, it does have an effect, but, you know... Some countries, mostly Caribbean countries, are going to be using sugarcane or molasses from that sugarcane from major countries. Gotcha. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and having said that, we do not actually own a, a, a sugarcane plantation, which is why we have the name plantation. Uh, that's what sugarcane farms are called. Okay. Um, so, um, again, it's about the, 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 uh, the, the diversity. The diversity, of the yeah. 
So, but one thing it's going to all have in common, though, is it all is going to be aged in bourbon barrels in its native country. We call that the tropical aging. And then all back to France and aged longer in the Pierre Ferrand Carnac barrels. We call that the continental aging. All right? Okay. So, this one right here is our new big thing called the Zamaica, the uh, Plantation Zamaica Special Dry. And maybe we'll have Ian, who has a wireless yeah. microphone, Thank you. run that over for its high-tech close-up. So we're, that, we partake. we're very proud of this one. This one is sort of a sister product to our Barbados Five Year, uh, which is always like our biggest seller there. It's our, the number one retail seller. You'll see it at Specs. You'll see it at Total. You'll see it mostly Independence. It's the one, the very similar squat bottle with uh-huh. the, uh, the straw around it. The straw a around five-year-old it, yep. Barbados rum, uh, and this is going. And it's like our perfect little Barbados rum. This is our perfect little Jamaican rum. Uh, Zamaica. I love the Barbados rum, by the way. That's that's delicious. Well, you know, and, and that one's very fruity. It's very vibrant. This one is going I to be... I have that one on my shelf at, at this point. In time. And again, it's our most popular one. I was at, a, a, of all places, I was at a, a, a car wash. And this fellow that was uh, working the car wash, you know, he opened up my back and go, man, I tell you right there, that's good rum right there. I got that at home. I'm like, well, thank you. Now you have an extra bottle. You got the heat. So I was uh, there. Hey. <laughs> my, my car was it's extra clean day that day. that week. Yeah. <laughs> But so, you know, being that we do own a distillery in Barbados and we do own a couple in Jamaica, you know, we do tend to, they are our favorite children. And since we already have our, our rounded, uh, perfect little Barbados room in the Barbados five-year, we didn't want to do something similar with Jamaica, even though we've had some Jamaican vintages before. Mm-hmm. Okay? So this one, we call it Zamaica. Zamaica is the Arawak word, the, uh, the, the word for Jamaica before it got colonized years ago. Okay. Um, centuries ago, I should say. Um, and uh, special dry because it is by far one of the driest rums we do. And it is, um, it's brand new, right? It's been in our market since October. Okay. Get rid of some of these. So the way we produce this, it's going to be five different pot stills. All right? All pot stills. All pot still rum, no column stills. No, that's full. That's new. Um, so three of the pot stills are from Long Pond. Two of them are from Clarendon. There's going to be different proofs, different ages, different ester counts. Esters are those things in spirits that kind of give it that natural component. Those, 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 they give it those flavors, uh, and they really stand out uh, in rums, especially Jamaican rums. Um, and and. There's different classifications of, of, of ester counts and Jamaican rums. You have your common cleans. Those are like the very flavorless ones. Uh, it goes up from there from something called a, a wetter burn to a plumber to a high esters. The high esters are the ones that are super, super estery. They're just, just so much funk. It's more funk than flavor. That's when we'd be classified as a plumber. It's a nice little medium. You get, the, you get that, that the Jamaican hogo, that funkiness, but uh, still, still mellowed out, if you will. Yeah, this has uh, like just the... Uh just the nose on this has a bigger, rounder, uh, and that very earthy, you said, um, funk. It's called Hogo. Hogo. H-O-G-O, that, that, Hogo. That, that Jamaican funk. That's awesome. Yeah, That's you the can... name of my band, Hogo. <laughs> That's a... the name of my reggae band. That's funny. Yeah, Mine is Jamaican funk. That's what, yeah, it, what it's perfect. Jamaican yes. funk. That's it's the name of the first definitely, album. This is the dry. Yes, the dry quality dry. is yeah. right Super there. Um, but what, what I... Because I want to ask you about the dry quality, but what I like about it is it still has that fatty quality. You know, like like there's still like a full palate that like roundness, coating. It's still, that, yeah. it's right. still that oiliness. Even though it's dry, it isn't thin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I, I like I like you said that word uh, uh, fatty quality. There's definitely a lot of mouthfeel to this. Yes, for sure. yeah. Which as, as for me personally, in in my enjoyment of spirits, like two of the things I look for are like a a, a big full mouthfeel, and then I, I actually really enjoy like the overproof, like the higher like. I was just about I, to say. I, I yeah. like that dry kind of burny quality. But mm-hmm. what's really neat about this one is it has it, but it still very much has that round rum quality that you look for. Like um, this this is phenomenal. And so, I can say I've never actually, out of all of your portfolio, I've never actually tasted this one. So. Well, no, it's, it's, it's relatively new. And every time we do a rum, we want it to be incredibly different from the last one we did. Right. So anytime you try a new plantation, it's a guarantee you're going to say, I've never tasted this before. Sure. You know? I, just, I just want to point to the camera, since I'm wireless, um, how much it sticks to the glass, too. Look at the yeah. legs on that. It's just it's 86 proof. Crazy. Hmm. Um, now, do they chill filter rum? Like, I mean, obviously, I know that's a thing for most spirits, but like, because you you talked about how you blend at different proofs, and you know, so do you kind of naturally get the dry at the eighty six? Because that's what forty three percent. Like, do you naturally get the dry just from the blending of the different proofs, or because it comes across as a little hotter than 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 eighty six? To be honest, I mean, in, in a good way. I'm trying to think of the best way. I'm trying to think of the best way to to, to, to. You've asked me like three questions in one question. I'm sorry, trying, sorry. I'm, trying to I'm like nerd now. I, mean, I don't get to pick <laughs> your brain did, as did much you as I you have read on out. your backpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was like, did I get the? Did I grab someone else's backpack? Uh, okay. So, Jamaican rum. The reason why it has this uh, this hogo, this funk. Um, you know, some Jamaican rums. When we are, uh, uh, we use what's called a. It, it's a it's a muck pit. All right, um, it's a muck pit that that's creating this 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 muck that okay. is nothing more than old runoff of old distillations that we're turning into this muck that we put into fermentation for the next batch. Uh, yeah. it, it seasons it. It gives it. It gives it that that, that those esters that those those more of the compounds and the fermentation is longer and sure. uh, it, it, it's it's an open air experience also. So it's just. Fascinating. It's more flavor, more. Yeah, yeah I was it, gonna say it, it would be more flavor, it's, it's, right? It's funkier yeah. because it's just funkier. We're, sure. we're, there's the funky things they're doing, and and the sourdough from yeah. sourdough bread. Right, we, right, uh, right. We actually had a fire at uh, Long Pond, uh, our, our facilities there, over a year ago, where we lost uh, a lot of old fermentation tanks uh, and about, ugh, if I remember correctly, I think sixty thousand gallons of unaged product. Oh ugh. man. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, but it was, the good news is it was unaged product. If, sure. If, if there is good news. But the real good news is we didn't lose any of the stills, and we didn't lose the muck pit. Mm. The muck pit. Okay, remember when your grandmother would keep a thing of bacon grease on on the on, that's on the exactly stuff? Right. It's thinking, like yep. that, man. You don't want to lose that because that's you know that's a, a generations of not generations, but a, a lifetime of flavor compounding it, right there. You know, it reminds right. me of like a good skillet that's been used good and has that iron seasoned skillet. iron. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Right. Ah. So, so to answer your question, that's part of it. The other answer is we're using zero dosage on this one. Zero dosage. Now, dosage is sugar. All right, and let, let's let's talk about the beast. It, it's 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 a bit of a hot topic, uh, especially with some of the uh, uh, the, the the rum pages uh, uh, that you'll see on Facebook. Um, so, plantation, we do use, we do practice dosage in some of our rums, but we're very transparent about it. We're very proud of it, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that, if I may. And, and there's just some purists that feel that the addition to sweeteners uh, to rum after uh, distillation is just a no-no. And I want to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it. 
so when we say dosage, we are not just using granulated white sugar. We don't have bags of imperial sugar sitting around the distillery. <laughs> we are creating what's called a uh, 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 sucrotose. You know, hold my microphone. I happen to have some with me. Okay. <laughs> I'm holding Doc's mic so we can... Uh, this should be fun. You may be this wireless, but I'm in stereo. <laughs> That's true now. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> well, you know, this is interesting because uh, he's right. This is a big discussion among the purists of rum as to whether that in any way invalidates or or makes less pure sure. the process of uh, of, well, of uh, bottling rum. And as for me, like as both consumer and a seller, like on the actual like, I guess not retail, but on premise, however you want to describe it, you know, I, I'm loyal to one thing, and that is the juice in the bottle. Because as a guy who's selling the juice in the bottle, and that's, at the end of the day, my goal, whilst practices are important, you know, whether you do use dosage, like, I love the fact, like, docs use a very, very great word, which is transparency. You know, if you know it's there, you know which rums, you know, you know how they're being made, if they're being, you know, quote-unquote sustainably practiced, like, he mentioned William Grant, like, like, Florida Kanye went through their whole crazy thing about how the sugar cane was harvested and whether right. it was, you know, properly, you know, practiced in that department. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you can you can do certain things and you can support certain things. But for me, like, I, I don't know, like, that I would say, like, it, it's, it's, it's that important from m- my perspective. You know, like, at the end of the day, if somebody wants Bacardi and that's what Bacardi does... I'm here to fill a demand, not necessarily... And if that's the taste that they like... See, Absolutely. I, I, Can it be wrong? I mean, I've it's subjective. Been, I've always been a big believer yes in this. Yes and no. Where I'm, where I'm going to disagree with you is, sure. is, is, that, is that I do think that there are producers out there that are not transparent about what they're doing. I think uh, um, transparency is a very important thing. And, and at Plantation, we are transparent about our practice. And we, if you go on our website, you can find exactly how much we put into a rum if we're putting it into a rum. We don't always do it. OFTD is no dosage. Zamaica is no dosage. Many of the single casts, no dosage. Um, and when we are using it, it's we're talking grams per liter. For example, Plantation 3 Star, our, our, our best selling on, on the, uh, uh, the on-premise world. Our, our, our all intents and purposes are white rum. Eight grams per liter. Think about that. Eight grams. That's less than a quarter of an ounce in an entire liter bottle. Actually, how, one gram how more sweet than a is that going to make that rum? But I read about that on the internet. No, I'm going to ask you a question. How sweet is that going to make a rum? Not. I would say imperceptibly almost. So the question is, why do we do it? If it's not making it sweeter, why add it? Exactly. We call it the salting effect. And that's sure. <laughs> we call it the salting effect. You have a good dish at home. It doesn't need salt, but you want to open up the flavors. You think it's a little bit of salt to do what? To make it salty? No. It no, turns on your palate. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 you're, you're bringing you're out other flavors. It's That's the idea it of is. using saline in cocktails. Right. Yeah, there's a couple a, drops a, of saline a, in a cocktail right. changes it, makes, your, it makes your, your, your tongue stand There's a point of it where it's, it's before you can taste it, but it opens up those flavors and just mm-hmm. helps your palate. We did a very interesting experiment back at the Chateau this past Chateau. 
It's a chateau, but I hate saying that because people make it sound like we're just hanging it's, out there, just <laughs> sitting in these great rooms with art and everything. It's, it's I wonder what the poor people are doing your, today. On your, <laughs> it's on your chez lounge in the it's, chateau. Yeah, it's no. not at all pretentious. It's no. the room right next to the it, great room it, doing it, all it, that. It, we, do have, we, we do have, it's a chateau bonbonnet. It's our headquarters in, in Cognac in France. Alexander lives there in one room. He doesn't have a bathroom. He has to go across the hall to uh, to use the bathroom. It's funny. But the rest is all offices. You know, it's all, we're, it's all work being done. Uh, and I'm very proud to work for a man who, for the most part, puts the money back into the business. But having said that, um, you know, we were, we were there having meetings, this, not this, yeah, this past January, and we did a little uh, uh, experiment where we had the exact same rum uh, with zero dissage, with a 10-year-old rum, so, with one with zero dissage and one with 20 grams per liter dissage. And the only difference in the flavor was the one with the dissage, the flavor lasted longer. Interesting. It didn't sweeten it up. It didn't. It did barely change the flavor profile whatsoever. It just, it just made it just made it last longer. Um, so the reason why we went no, no dosage on this one, for the most part, is just we truly just wanted to go traditional Jamaican, and it, it's frowned upon to to use the, uh, the 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 sugar in Jamaican. Well, to just bring it full circle, this this rum is fantastic, and I sampled this first at the uh, Houston Whiskey Social. You guys had it on the table there, and I <laughs> I kept coming back for more back for more which is not what you normally do by the way at the whiskey social because you're going to other tables yeah. other tables, lots other tables. of different yeah. stuff right. I, I kept coming back for more back for more because it, it really is not make the whiskey social this year what uh, what is the retail on that bottle this one uh depends on where you get i think specs is on the shelf for like i think 21 dollars and change that's unbelievable see this 21 dollars i mean that's i mean i don't know how you could Spend twenty one dollars on a spirit and come out better than that. No, don't quote me on that. If anybody from Specs is, is I listening, I apologize. <laughs> Flavor wise, I wouldn't have batted an eye at double that. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Well, well yeah. but you guys don't have a lot of uh, of those rums Ultra in your premium. in your portfolio yeah. that that are uh, more expensive like that. I know you do have some. One hundred dollars a bottle. All right, so, yeah. so, so let's take a break so we can come back to that because. Uh, that, uh, that should be quite an experience. Uh, you are checking out Smoking and Toasting. We're live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, episode number 137. Smoking and Toasting, all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, we are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant. 1814 Washington Ave in Houston at the shops in Clear Fork and Fort Worth and by, and I'll say it correctly this time, BB Lemon, which is right across the street. BB Lemon. Uh, right across the street from where we are. Uh, Docs, uh, before we went to the break, you had poured a little bit of this dosage into uh, a cup and we kind of passed it around and each had a little taste of it. Wow, that's just absolutely delicious. I, I want some for ice cream. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just fantastic. I mean, I can see why that would have a sort of a palate warming effect on uh, on what it was added to. But I can also see why, and you've talked about the guys, the fact that you guys are totally transparent about this. I can see why that's important. I, I, re I really do. Yeah, and transparency in the industry is a big thing. Uh, you would be you would get along well with our friend, the Tater Talk expert, who's uh, uh, who's the man who's demanding transparency from the whiskey. Uh, uh, for the whiskey industry. Wade? Yes, Wade. Hey, yes. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Chris Hart, though, people do actually care about Wade. Hey, will you, will you uh, uh, say the name of the last one we just tried, one of our uh, 
customers. Zamaica. Zamaica special, special with an X. Yeah. So X-A-Y-M-A-C-A. Yeah. His, so, his stream got interrupted. He wanted to know what and it you, was. And you can currently find that at downtown, uh, Specs downtown. Uh, yeah. And, and other places, but, but that's the easiest one. It's definitely so, going to be there, yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, once um, again, smoking and toasting, yeah. directly influencing sales. There you go. You mentioned something to me before the show started. This might be a good time to, uh, to revisit it. I asked you how the Whiskey Social had gone for you guys, and you said you thought it went very well. And I asked you, how do you, like, how do you judge that? Like, is it by... You know, how many people come by the booth, how much you pour, yeah. and you had a very interesting answer. The, the, the answer to that is always whoever's got the phone up next to the bottle. That, that's how you know you got a winner when someone has to get a picture of that. Oh, yeah. Because that yeah. means they're going to be looking for that when they go into Absolutely. specs or wherever to, uh, to, yeah. to buy it. And, and, and you know, you, you mentioned it yourself, uh, and, you know, I got a guy who works with me. His name's Pete Dottolo. He came from uh, uh, Republic. I hired him, and I stole him from Republic and sent him to Dallas to go work on premise up there. Uh, and he actually experienced a couple of things that he noticed. He brought it, he mentioned it to me, and I didn't notice it before. Whenever we do one of those things, we we pay attention, and we get more repeat customers. People are like, ah, I don't want to try that. People, I'm gonna have some more of this. We get a lot of, I'm gonna have some more of this. That's what I did. You know? I kept going back for the Zamaica. So uh, it, it definitely happens. I thought well, we. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just one thing to add. That's something that I've been preaching for some time, though. I feel like. There's a direct correlation, like at an event like the Whiskey Social, between, you know, wh whiskey and rum. Like in that, you know, one of the things, the pervasive themes, is you guys keep talking about the value of these these high end, these high quality spirits that are not very expensive. Now, I've been trying to tell people, especially like I think probably Chris Morris and you know Pete and I were like were, were kind of first when we got into this idea, is that you can go buy an aged spirit. Like, you know, that Barbados 2007 that I'm looking at, like if you went and tried to buy a bourbon from 2007, it would right. be decidedly more than the hundred bucks. Right. However, it, I think that the value and the quality of spirits you're getting are very, very close and very, very applicable. Like if, if you want to show me like a cocktail that I can make with bourbon that I couldn't make with like the OFTD, I, w I would challenge you to that, you know, and, and yet it's much more approachable and affordable on a regular basis to keep your bar at home stocked. Is he allowed to use that kind of language? He said. He said Chris. Uh, Chris Morris. I said oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, we are not, uh, you know, restricted by the same uh, censorship that, that you know that some shows have to go through. So, uh, so yeah, it's okay to say Chris Morris. Okay. Well, no, I just like. I mean, you know, I like to give credit to people that help me learn things, man. And that, that, we actually want to have Chris Morris. One of the things we've been dying to do, and I got to talk to you about this after the show. Sure. Want to have Chris Morris on to make uh, gin martinis. And we need someone on who can make a really fantastic vodka martini. And we want to do the great vodka face, uh, the great sure. martini face off. Sure. Yes. And, uh, Let and me really save explore. you some trouble. <laughs> I was just I know, about to say, I'm pretty sure there's gin. someone sitting at this table. Well, okay. Go ahead. Speak. No, no, I was going to say, the only way the vodka is going to beat it is if your secret ingredient in the martini is some juniper. I'm just going to say. I was just, gin, gin wins. <laughs> What if we had some of this? Would that help? Uh, Probably not. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would help in, in some things, but I uh, mean, well, it, 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 if it's gin, it's a martini. If it's vodka, it's just see, I, and vodka I will tell shaken. You, I, I, I enjoy a gin martini, but really comes down to it, a great vodka martini see, is generally my favorite. I'm, I'm, I'm much more gin martini. Like, I think that a real martini needs to be gin. Yeah. A vodka martini you, though, just my deserves My brother the, makes an outstanding vodka martini, but he tops it off with a little bit of scotch. And so... 
Maybe well, that's cheating. Because it needs some flavor. Smoky martini. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not beating, we're not beating up our, our, our fellow uh, our, our vodka friends, but by definition, it's a flavorless spirit. It, 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 it literally it, means it, little water. It vodka is, the, is like Jenya Voda, my little water. It is the water. tofu of the spirit world. I sure. realize that. But uh, now, I would say there, there's qualities. There's, be, there's, there's better Absolutely. brands. There's better quality. But, but let's be honest. Vodka is not about what you taste. It's about what makes your mouth feel like. Yes. Right. It's what, what you feel. And it's uh, about, me, it's vodka martini is an excuse to drink olive juice. What it and and that can be a good thing. So let's you know let's not sell it short. Oh no! And, and I work <laughs> at a, at, in an institution built on the dirty martini. This, yeah. The steakhouse is, yes, is, is, is a so, house. So built how about by this for a challenge? And, instead of bringing on Chris Morris to do gin, why not bring two people who don't know what they're doing and have one use vodka and have the other one use gin? See, that, see what happens. Well, you have a control group. Interesting. That like might be. So going. maybe we should have four people. Yes. We should have uh, two that know what they're doing. And two that are more like me that don't. Yeah, that just. Sure. I, I, well, I, I can tell you, I did a, I did a, uh, I did a, a martini lunch here with a very famous French vodka, and when it came time to do one of the actual martini martinis, it somehow managed to be a French gin that, uh, got into that, the martini. that made into the martini mix. And you know, I'll just say I know where where, where I prefer. Um, now, in you and I, obviously. You prefer the gin martini. I'm more the vodka martini guys. I, I just wanted to point out that according to the reviews, you and I are supposed to agree on everything and like everything, according to the reviews. Well, I mean, uh, you know, so here's the difference between a gin martini and a vodka martini, okay? Um, you can drink a gin martini and truly enjoy the flavor and get a little tipsy. Or you can drink a, mar- a vodka martini and get a little tipsy. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty simple, right? I love olive juice. Let's just let's just <laughs> it's put a it true out there. story, though. I'm, I'm not, not going to. I will. Or you could drink a lot that. of gin martinis until I get Chris Morris faced. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's move on to a beer that I actually was holding back. I was going to bring this on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, no, got to wait for this until Docs is on and we're. With Jeremiah, because this is from um, a really interesting, uh, a really interesting brewery called Drake's Brewing. They are out of California, and it is you say it's an emotional beer. Uh, it it may be yes, you know Drake's Drake's I feel like, like that. it's an emotional yeah. artist. Yeah. Was that Aubrey, um, the Nickelodeon rapper? Yes, or or maybe this is maybe they called it Island Diaries. Maybe they should have just called it Hotline Bling. But uh, <laughs> but in any case, Did it, it used is, to call you on your cell phone. A rum barrel aged quad ale. Now so I thought talking. this would be the perfect show to try that when we're also enjoying yeah, some really good rum. Speaking of drunken so. sailors. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Do they have any cognac aged beer? I do. I, I, I do want to point it. out, by the way, the next time you complain about the beers I bring, yes, you just brought a thirteen point four percent beer. Ian, I'm just trying to keep up with you, my friend. I'm just trying to keep you up. You realize that I like this before I even open the bottle, right? Yes, I do. There, there are a number of beers, actually, that I have been holding back for future shows going, I have a feeling Ian's going to love at thir- this. At over 13%, I don't think it's an emotional beer. It's just going to make us emotional. That's right. <laughs> I'm, Dax, I've seen you so long. It's so good to see you. Honestly, I'm already a little emotional, and I haven't even haven't even sampled it. Just from the opening. Well, I can tell you that it's wow. thick from watching Ian pour it into the uh, cup here. Wow. So, on the nose, it almost reminds me of a barley one. I was just about oh, to say, do you much. remember the wow. Trippels? Like the cra- like the, this, is, the- this, is a, a, this is a Belgian strong, I believe. Is I was about to say, mm-hmm. white label Chimay. 
Reminds yeah, me of the white label Chimay. Sorry, Belgian quad. You already said that earlier. Yep. Um, and this really does smell like a barley wine and looks and tastes a lot like a barley wine. enough across the tongue, it has some of the same notes as the dosage that we well, just tried. Well, which makes some sense, right? It does. Yeah, it does. It really does. It needs uh, to come with an alarm because it's just too easy to drink. I do love oh, you, man. Oh, man, at 13%. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it should just, wow, it should, it just have a little is, bell to ring to remind this you, huge. this is strong, this is strong, this is strong. <laughs> Ian just got emotional, by the way. I don't know if you caught that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Uh, 13%, what do you think? You know what's funny is at 13%, it's not even terribly boozy up front. You're, you're right. It's not. Like, you can get a little of the booziness on the tail end on the finish, but in a great way. This is so, uh, it's got a lot of that date and raisiny kind of thing that you expect, but it's got a brighter underlying fruitiness that you expect from that Belgian. Also, I love the lack of um, carbonation in here. Yeah. This is carb just just right for this beer. It, it's, it's Amaro-esque. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It also I, may be able to, um, it may be used to stick two pieces of wood together. <laughs> uh, and that's also a good thing. Yeah, it's, it, this is, this There's is a fruit really, layer really, to really, it. Well, yeah, there really is. Underlying really fruit. Put my finger on it, like that's a dark what, fruit, like a, like a dark, deep cherry. Well, and that's what reminds me of the barley yeah. wine. It's got, it's got that dry, dark, dried fruit uh, yeah. and that, uh, flavor like, to it's it. It's like got like a lot of and That's what I mean about the Amaro West uh, portion. No, no, and the prune and raisin, but there's like even like a, like a chocolate covered cherry hmm. cordial like note somewhere or maybe I'm describing it stone fruit wrong, but a, for sure but a bitter cherry kind of thing not yeah. a sweet cherry thing I will admit that calling it Island Diaries putting the you know the sunglasses on the label there that is an ironic uh, well it is oxymoron I can't even I can't even imagine drinking this sitting on the beach in a uh, in a tropical island maybe you want to show that to the uh, that with the cigar yeah. Is uh just outstanding. That rum, the aftertaste, that rum, what did you call it? The Hogo? Hogo? That, Hogo. that aftertaste of the rum with the oak is just amazing. Appearing tonight, Hogo. <laughs> Followed up by Jamaican funk. That's right, that's right. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty spectacular. And uh this is something that the uh the beer is I'm going to assume this is a specialty brew. Uh, Drake's is from San Leandro, California, and the beer is just, wow, it's just spectacular. <coughs> I want to say, and I apologize that I don't remember, I want to say this was a fairly expensive bottle. Sure. Yeah, for a that small would bottle. Not, that well, would I not mean, surprise. I, you got to think, with a beer to, be, to, to take it the time to go into the mm -hmm. barrels, I mean, that's going to add to that that essential you know, consumer uh, cost mm. for sure. It was aged in French Caribbean rum barrels, uh, and it was... Huh. Uh, Bottled did you say, in twenty eighteen. French Caribbean rum barrel. <laughs> That's what it says right there. Huh. Jeez. Yeah. Speaking of irony, uh, says uh, it says find your way to paradise. How find many? Uh, how many? How many partners do you think rum distillers are partnered with French? Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, no, you have. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a few. Keep in mind that could also be the Martinique barrel. It okay. Could be, you know, it, says, it says on the bottle, find your way back to paradise with our version of a Caribbean nightcap, notes of coconut, banana bread, and rum spice. Meld beautifully with the mild caramel and the coffee-like backbone rum spice? in this beer. What is rum spice? Sailor Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> Sailor Jerry? Shout out to Gravy. Mama Juana? Oh, wow. All right, well, I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm going to have to light up another cigar uh, to enjoy with this. So while I do that, uh, Docs, why don't you tell us where we're going uh, next in the spirit world? 
yes. Well, okay. We were talking about uh, we we're talking about uh, not uh, our lack of expensive rums. I I've, I have filled that void. Uh, this is the Barbados 2007. Um, we do single casks every year. Uh, we call them single casks because we, you know, truth be told, there's probably more than one cask, but we do them in, in like two to three casks, a single allotments. Once it's out there, it's out there, and once it's gone, it's gone. All right, so what does single cask actually mean? Uh, well, usually it means only one cask, but yeah. Not, 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 it, it's, but, it, but it isn't always, you're saying. It means... It means that, no, in this case, it pretty much means that, that we just bottled one single cask of rum, though multiple casks have been used, of course, naturally, because we have, uh, uh, um, of course, everything's going to start in the bourbon barrels in its native country. Then it goes to Pierre Ferrand barrels in, in, back in France, and with the single cask, there's always going to be a triple finish. All right? So remember, uh, let's see, currently, uh, I think uh, uh, um, Anvil has their Panama and the Carbova, Cabrova, that, that South American ma- mahogany finish. Um, you have, of course, right across the way, Julep has their Haiti uh, XO that's been triple finished in our dry Curso casks. Um, it was a NASA liquor. Our friends there have a new one every year. Uh, Does Julep have a bunch of OFTD on their wall? On their wall? No, they have a bunch of the their, their, their plantation Haiti and, and pineapple, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Pineapple. So, we normally sell it to one account in regions. I'll get I'll have one single cask. We'll get I don't know maybe like I don't know twenty three to twenty three per market. If I had to guess, maybe one hundred and twenty something bottles out of it. Cases, one hundred twenty something cases out of it. Um, so we would uh, we 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 chop them up in between uh, different markets. So one customer in Texas is going to have one single cask. But somebody in California may have the same single cask as someone in New York may have it. But we try our best to keep them far away from each other, right? Makes sense. In other words, semi-personalized. Well, this one was not personalized. Last year, we were offered three special uh, vintages. One was the Fiji 2009, the uh, Peru 2004, uh, and the Guyana 2005, I think it was. I didn't get any Guyana. I was pissed. (laughs) I complained. I, I, I bitched and moaned. Enough to where Guillaume, that's our vice president and my boss, offered me this, the Barbados 2007. Nice. And the only place you can get this outside of France is going to be in Quebec and Canada and here in Texas. Nice. And I did not sell it to a single account because I wanted everybody to get it. So uh, would you mind passing it around pour so I can keep running my mouth? Um, and it's, it's a heady little elixir too. So all Barbados rum from Mount Gaboa, not from our uh, West Indies rum distillery. Okay. Um, uh, la, la, la. I think it's ten years in the in the bourbon barrels. I think it's a year in the Pierre Ferrand cognac cask, but an extra year in Bordeaux cognac cask. Cognac, a Bordeaux cognac that was not uh, not not Pierre Ferrand. We do other cognacs. Uh, 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 we do have some other labels, but anything that's Pierre Ferrand is 100% grown champagne. Our 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 Bordeaux, our uh, our you know, our blends. That's going to be on a different label. So we use some of our uh, Bordeaux cognac cask on that. So, Docs, we've just had... I'm sorry, finish. Well, I want to warn you before y'all taste it. This one is 118 proof. Okay. Ah, you're speaking right, my language. So, so, which leads me to what I wanted to ask you, which is... Is, is that a warning? <laughs> we've just had a really, really exceptional under $30, well under $30 run. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to have one that's, what... $100, $100. $100 for the bottle. What should we be expecting 
the difference to be before we taste? Night and day. This is going to Absolutely. be. This is this is going to be something that you're going to. Have to it, it, it's got a ton of mouthfeel. It's not only just a, a very strong spirit as far as proof. It's strong on flavor. Now that first touch on your tongue is not going to hurt you, but you're going to get that acid reflux that you get from an overproof spirit. Or high proof spirit, I should say. Interesting. I, it's much stronger on the nose, too. Yeah. You get a little bit of Did the I burn underpour everybody? just on the nose. I think you might have. Did you what? Underpour or overpour? Is that what mm. you asked? I was being very gentle with the pour, but I think I got barely a taste in everybody's glass. So it's no dosage on this one. Um, just it, it, uh, it, It's a sipper. It, it, it's, it's, it's not for the fan of heart either. It's really terrific. Jeremiah, you are... Uh, you're as knowledgeable about rum as just about anybody that uh, that I know. Doc's perhaps being an exception, but uh, but uh, what's what's your take on this? Um, well, first of all, before I even get to the specificity of this being a rum, just as a fan of, of overproof specifically um, brown liquors, um, this is exceptional. And what's amazing is it goes right into what I was just saying, like. This is easy. I would put this right next to, you know, a, a, an overproofed American or like a very high-proofed rye as far as character, complexity, mouthfeel. Like, it's got a chew to it um, that I highly recommend when you're trying it. Just let it sit in there. And obviously, like Doc said, that might hurt in the first time because it, it, it is not for the faint. But wow. And what a palate cleanser as far as the cigar perspective side of it. Um, so I actually just lit a very big, bold uh, Padron 64 anniversary, and this thing just wiped it right off of my tongue. <laughs> um, so um, Unbelievable. I, I want to point out, too, that I um, just on a whim tried this uh, Island Diaries right after it. And it's, not only does it stand up, but you know how some things like, like, like chocolate and ice cream just really, really go well together? Wow. Try a sip of that with it. Those two things are like pretty amazing uh, jeremiah um we talked when we were trying the zamaica about how how well that stood up to anything in its price range from yes whiskey or other spirits absolutely how does this in your mind stand up to uh a really nice bottle of whiskey that we might have paid a hundred bucks for um, i think if you're if you're in the same price range um, I think from a quality perspective, I think this stands up really well, um, especially from the standpoint of, you know, you know, one of the things that Doc's talked about is the rarity of things. Um, so this being rare because it's a single cask release, you know, you might have, unfortunately to say, like, you might be actually drinking a far inferior American spirit if you're going with a bourbon just because of the sheer demand for bourbon right now. So right. you might be drinking a product that was made not as well or not as say with as much care, um, but but I think if you're if you're just talking like spirit to spirit, if you're saying a, a, an ultra premium, you know, whiskey of any variety, would this stand into that club? Absol I think absolutely. Like oh, this is the kind of thing that would make the reserve list on my menu here because of its its exclusivity and because of its quality. Um, and, and, and I mean, this is absolutely phenomenal. Like, so th this one, unfortunately, has not been brought into the big stores yet, but you can find it up on the north side. I think at Ryan's Liquor in Cyprus. You can find it, of course, down south at NASA Liquor. Um, 
I think Russell might have it right now in the Houston area, but those are uh, the two that come to mind. But so I'm you're talking you, about is what you just poured. No, no. The one, no. The one and where you have the one, the, I'm telling the listeners the out there, there if you're, if you're okay. looking, Excuse I guarantee you. We, we still have plenty left in Texas, but, but it'll probably be done by the end of the year, I would imagine. Um, and But I, I brought something else out because I, I, I wanted to compare and contrast and really go kind of polar opposites here from a uh, rum from the same country. Um, and, and of course, produced in the same fashion as as all plantation rums are. That at least that double aging. This is our 20th anniversary uh, plantation XO, which is fantastic. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. something. It is not a 20 year old rum. Uh, we've always had 20th on right. there. That 20th t- anniversary. The, the TH is on there. Again, we like to be very transparent. And the reason why we call it 20th anniversary because simply it was produced by our blenders uh, in France as a uh, uh, as a surprise to Alexander Gabriel, our master blender. Uh, on our 20th anniversary of making spirits, and that was 10 years ago. We're on our 30th anniversary this year. Wow. I, I, I kind of got my fingers crossed to see the hope which is really good. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But we call this one the, the XO, all Barbados rum, anywhere from like 8 to 12 years. Um, smells like an old baseball game. Completely awesome. different. Uh, very tropical. You get a lot of coconut notes. Um, as, this, as that this Barbados that we tasted right here, not for the inexperienced drinker. Right. Um, it, it's it's for the the, the the Brooker's drinkers and that sort of thing who appreciate a high proof one. This one at only eighty proof, I believe. Um, even though a, an experienced drinker can enjoy it, it's also something that the, the novice can enjoy also because the, the the flavors are welcoming, they're warm, again tropical. It's just easy drinking. Night and day is a yeah. break. This is uh, this is interesting. This has a breadiness to it, a very uh, like almost a gingerbread kind of yes. Uh, thing on the note with the with the coconut is so prevalent too. It's very yeah, very different from our last selection. This one is one of our most award winning rums. It's 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 our most popular one in Europe and Germany. They drink the hell out of this one in Germany, and we've been uh, we've been uh, refocusing uh, uh, in the United States on it as well. You'll you'll find it at all major specs. Um, you know, usually not lined up with the other plantations. It'll be up there with the other higher dollar ones. It's about forty five dollars, fifty bucks a bottle. Uh, but fantastic. But wow. certainly one of our best. I, I will just say while uh, make milkshakes with this. Uh, while we tried, yeah, absolutely. While we tried the Island Diaries um, rum barrel aged quad after the um, the two thousand seven yeah the two thousand seven single cask, and it was a really nice pairing. I just went back there after this, and mm. it is a completely different experience. I'm getting the banana and the the bottle even said banana bread. You get that flavor just jumps out at you when you pair it with uh, the twentieth. It definitely brings out the uh, the breadiness in the beer in a huge way. Like I just like when I smell this, and everyone's palate's different, but this this smells like like gingerbread liqueur almost. It's amazing uh, yeah. on my on my nose. Honestly, should, it's, should, it's should we do wonderful. plantation island diary bombs here? <laughs> <laughs> Snackers. Yes. The answer I, is yes. I, you know, I, like I told idea. you my last appearance on the Chris Hart show, got yeah. a, I got a little toasty. We'll, we'll be yes. flambéed, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we are um, we're really fortunate to be able to sample the things that, that we're able to sample Absolutely. on a show like this. And it's, it's, it's not lost on me. Hopefully we can communicate some of that. So if somebody's thinking about going out and spending $40, $50 on a bottle of rum, I I don't know if I could think of a better choice than I, that. I have to I have to get a bottle of this. I can't stop drinking this. It's actually. really fantastic. So, so, and interesting. I just want to say this: the fact that you were willing to go to that after 
the uh, 2007 single cast. I think that speaks to how great it is. Because and the fact that, you're, that our palates were still able to discern those cool, subtle fruit <laughs> right, notes. Yes. Like, yeah. well, that, well, again, is, a, is a testament to the craft. And also that we're not to the end of the show. But yeah, True. <laughs> but seriously, it, it says a lot because after you drink something that's as overproofed as the 2000 was, to be able to come back and appreciate the subtleties, I mean, it just says a whole lot about the 20th. That's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take uh, another break. Uh, we will come back. I know there's some cognac we are still wanting to try. So um, New you, things. New things and good things. You can uh, point us in a good direction. And we do have one more beer, and it's called Aminol. As in, Aminol. As an animal, but not spelled quite properly. It is, in fact, uh, another one that I think Ian's going to go crazy over. It is a barrel-aged barley wine-style ale from Coralitos Brewing. And I believe it's also in the 13 range, if I'm not mistaken. We'll find out when we come back. I don't know why. I just love boozy beers. (laughs) Actually, I know why. (laughs) I love boozy beers. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. We are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, and we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork and Fort Worth, and at BB Lemon right across the street from the Houston location. We have done some tasting already. And uh, I, I normally try to structure our beer tastings so that we go from the lowest ABV to the highest. But I have to apologize because we went... 13.4 on the Island Diaries, and now we're actually going to take a step all the way back to 12% for the Aminal. <laughs> I know I've disappointed you, Ian, and I apologize. Yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, Aminal comes from Coralitos Brewing Company. It is a uh, bourbon barrel-aged barley wine-style ale. And, uh, Aminol is a barley wine that spent nine months in bourbon barrels, resulting in a complex range of flavors that will age incredibly well. Notes of dark fruit, whiskey, toffee, and a touch of oak are balanced together nicely. Drink it now or tuck it away, it says right here on the now, bottle. I'm very curious to see uh, how this will work, as I still have a little bit of the uh, 20th left. Very curious about to see how this will work with the rum, since it's aged not in rum barrels, but in whiskey barrels. So that'll be... Yeah, That'll be an interesting. I, I don't uh, understand interesting how comparison. you have a little of that twentieth left. <laughs> uh, I was. It was because I was concentrating on the two thousand and seven. Uh, that two thousand and seven, something special, man. That's yeah, boy, it you, really. You, is. you don't run into a rum like that all the time. No, you really don't. And and it's probably best that you don't run into a rum like that <laughs> all the time. Indeed, indeed. Uh, absolutely. No, it, was a, it was a very rough, uh, rough go learning to appreciate overproof spirits. It was it. Yes. Yeah, but see, well, that's see, here's that's the thing. what you love, though. It is. It is. Well, and it's it's ironic, especially you know. I've even gotten flack. People have seen me either on the show or here at the restaurant or out. You know, even with my my whiskeys, like I don't subscribe to necessarily to the big rock. And I think we've talked about this. I mm-hmm. like the smaller cubes. Uh-huh. When people say, "Oh, as, as such a whiskey and spirit aficionado, like what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, if you know me well enough, you know that what's in that glass is probably at minimum 110, yeah. right? <laughs> and then I'm probably going to have four of them. So, I, in order for us to all have a good time, it should probably have a little bit of dilution, a little bit of cooling out." 
Um, let's let's address rocks for just a moment. A yes. lot the, the big spheres and the big cubes sure. are awesome looking. They're great. And I I enjoy that in a drink. But what it does that, make great photographs. Right. And what that does to your to your uh spirit is it has a uh it doesn't melt as fast. Yes. It basically so you keeps your drink nice dilution. and cold with, with with less dilution in your spirit, which is also okay. Uh, a lot of people like to to uh, drink it neat. Um, and that's fine too, but don't be snooty about it because the truth is, there's almost no distiller that I've met that won't tell you to open up their spirit with a little bit of water. Absolutely. Now, the small ice, frankly, it, when I'm at home and if I have the opportunity, you go by Sonic and get that <laughs> the Sonic ice. ice, the little pebble ice. That's uh, the best. Man, you can tailor your sure. drink perfect. And I like the ride that you get when you try a spirit. I always try it neat first. Sure. And then I add some of that ice, but I love to taste the way the flavor changes from when you first put the ice in and it's not diluted, and then it gets super cold. And there's different flavors that pop out. It masks some flavors, but brings out well, some other flavors. And especially when you're dealing like, and like I would use like this rum for example. Like if you go into this this single single cask 2007 that we just tried, and you put the big cube in it, right? It's gonna get really cold. It's not gonna dilute. When you talk about the flavors, what's gonna happen is all that oiliness is going to tighten up, yeah. right? So, I mean, you mm -hmm. just think the science of it, it congeals, etc. It's, you know, it's the idea of the cloudiness. You know, like when we when we did the 100th episode, I had that Balmeray Garrison. Yeah. Brothers, yes, and, and you when did. it got cold, it looked like espresso. Yeah. And that's all that oily, you know, viscous, all those congeners, you know, pulling back together. So what ends up happening is they're going to taste different because they're going to release differently as they get under your tongue. And now your tongue is going to raise that temperature to 98.6. Etc. So there's a lot that happens in cooling and drinking and diluting. Um, I, I personally, but cooling and diluting are actually two different things. Absolutely, yes. and that's yes. why that there therein lies the ice debate. Is you know, mm -hmm. and that's why, you know, typically in, in in their origins, the big cubes were designed for cocktails so that the cocktail would maintain the consistency of flavor throughout the drinking of it without becoming watery as you went through. So with whiskeys, there's advantages and, and I think disadvantages to both sides of it. Yes. You know? Jeremiah, let me ask you this before we go further. Uh, when Ian and I came to dinner here, yes. uh, we both enjoyed one of your uh, private barrels. That yes, you have the here. Uh, Elijah Craig 12 here. It was oh, Elijah so Craig 12 good. here. So, so what's interesting is that Ian, as is typical of how he ordered, ordered his with ice, and I ordered mine neat. What was interesting is that we, we you know, shared the glasses sure. between us. And I will tell you that it almost tasted like two completely yeah. different spirits. Indeed. And, and they were both delicious. Absolutely. Like, I loved it both but ways. But you'll also notice that generally, even though I order with ice, there's usually not much ice left in the glass, if any. I usually will nurse a drink and warm it with my hand as the ice dilutes because I want to taste that full ride from neat to ice cold and then all the way back down to fully diluted and not as cold. Because all those flavors they just keep changing and evolving, sure. and it just to me that's just a wonderful. Well, and at experience. the end of the day, you know, before we jump into back into docs, you know, for me, as the seller on the on the consumer level, you know, people people will kind of like oh, at me when somebody orders some of the more premium whiskeys we have. You know, say somebody orders a thirty year single malt, I'm still going to bring you water. I'm going to bring you soda. I'm going to bring you ice on the side. Mm -hmm. All these things with it, because at the end of the day, like how you enjoy it is not up to me. Right. You know, and I'm not here to tell someone, oh, well, this is the true way. I can walk you through, which is basically what you do, you know, kind of how I would do it, which is start with neat, add water, then cool it, 
and dilute it, right. you know, and try the process. But at the end of the day, if you want to drink your 30 year with soda and, and, you know, a bunch of pebble ice, that's great. <laughs> as long as you're drinking brown, I'm, I'm good. As long as, long, as long as it works for you. Absolutely. See, I've always been about this in music. I always, I always hated when people would tell you that one form of music was good and one form was shite. You know what sure. I mean? Like, it's like, if it works for you, yeah. if it's what makes you happy, Go for it. Like, like, don't don't take your musical cues from someone else. Yeah, there, there's uh, an army of parrot heads that would argue that whatever works for them works. That's right. You know? That's I mean. absolutely right. And you know what? <laughs> if they're you know if they're getting that level of enjoyment out of paying for those tickets and going to that show, and that's that's like I've often said by the way that Jimmy Buffett's a genius because he, is. he came up with a way to let the average person for about a hundred bucks spend two and a half hours on a tropical island Absolutely. somewhere mm-hmm. uh, without leaving the comfort of their own neighborhood. I, I think it's I think it's genius. And uh, you know what? I almost I enjoy that experience a little Absolutely. bit myself. My, my so. mother is a parent head yeah. through and through. Lives in so. Tampa like every time. Man. I, I will say, though, just as an aside, I got a little bit burned out on the whole Jimmy Buffett thing when I lived in Panama City, Florida. Because when you live in a beach town like that, Every time you go into a bar or a restaurant, <laughs> there's some asshole on a stool called Captain Something or Other with just an acoustic guitar. Yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's, waves. It, it's burnout. It's burnout. Little waves yes. in Houston? Yes. My cousin, Greg Norman, he owns Coach's Sports Bar down there in, in downtown. He used to work at Waves, and to this day, he will not let us play Jimmy Buffett anything. Yes, it, 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 happens. it happens. So. That's on the debate of ice, though, I would like to inject one thing on sure. that. And for me personally... Um, me personally, such a stupid phrase. For me, um, it's about the cleanliness of the ice, Absolutely. not so much the shape or the size. Uh, uh, you what know, water it's made from, exactly, how well it's uh, made. You yeah. know, I, I've had some times where I've been to some bars where just I, I you know, oh, this is pre, pre, um, pre, pre God, I'm popping my peas again. Sorry, Doug. This is before <laughs> I started working for Maison Ferrand. Prepare for Ron. And there was one, one taste in particular that I started off with bourbon. It wasn't tasting right. Just not getting my buds just right. And so I moved on to Irish. Wasn't it my buds right? I moved on to Scotch. Wasn't it my buds right? And I realized it was not the whiskey. It was the, the ice. ice. Yeah. It was well, this whatever ice maker in the back, just Coca-Cola at Astroworld ice. Right. It, it makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, for me, the easiest solution is fat ice. They Absolutely. sell it at Specs, and it's made by Javier Flores it in Austin. Wonderful. Fat ice um, is incredible. And you can get it at the, at the, uh, the main location. And then I, I hear it. We go through an ice company called Vault. Right. Um, that you can get through just because I can get it through Cisco. Um, but same thing. It comes pre-cut. It's perfectly clear. It's, it's 100%, you know, distilled water. I mean, it, it is just gorgeous. I'll, I'll also mention that <laughs> what's really important, particularly when you are out, is the glass. The sure. glass, if there are, I poured myself a beer the other day, uh, in a, I was at home, poured it into a glass that I got out of the freezer, and I was like, something is not right. This beer is not, like, there was a flavor in there that I could not have imagined they would put into the beer. So I set it aside, pulled out another glass, poured, it was one of those tall cans, so I hadn't poured the whole thing in a glass, hadn't gotten washed properly. So present. Left in it, whatever. So when I wash my beer glasses at home, because I love putting the beer glasses into the freezer, because as you know, I like my beer cold, mm-hmm. I make sure I wash them thoroughly, and then I change the water to cold, and I rinse them for a good solid 30 seconds to a minute in cold water to make sure all that soap is out of there. I've seen bars where I'm watching the bartender behind the bar 
wash the glasses by dunking it into soapy water and barely rinsing it before setting it up there. Sure. That is going to mess with the taste yes. of your cocktail or your spirit or your a, beer. That's also another difference between me and you on beer. I do not really like a, fr- a frozen glass mm. to me. Um, well, I was going to ask if you get flack from the listeners about that. Oh, you know, uh, all the time. All the time. Oh, it should be a room temperature I, I, no, glass. I, and first. I understand that, and I appreciate room temperature beer. I enjoy you know tasting beer at that temperature, but I enjoy drinking beer when it's cold. That's just me. <laughs> I'm a Texan. What's your favorite kind of beer? Catch some flack on the uh, Houston Room Temperature uh, Glass Society, man. They're brutal. <laughs> That's not a good thing. There's that. They are There's some that. salty dudes. Yeah. Uh, Ian, uh, I see you have already made your way partly into the aminal, so I'm uh, I'm curious as to what your research has. Which has brought uh, to me this. This is completely different. On the uh, the first sip of this was startling. It's so coffee and so bitter cherry, bitter dark cherry. By the way, I'd like to thank whoever that is that's backing up and has been backing up for the last they hour and Can 45 you hear that minutes, the... uh, apparently, in a nearby it's, parking uh, lot. That's, that's actually Jeremiah's yeah. alarm clock. Oh, that's, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, no, no. This continue. is so dark cherry bitter and, and chocolate and, and espresso. Uh, Overall, if you ask me, this this has so many different little things going on, but the bitterness I really enjoy. Yeah, it's a nice, like, easy bitter. It's and what's bitter and kind of chocolate goes, and coffee? Yeah, and it right, goes right, right, right across the backside of your. And palate. the interesting thing is, my very first sip of this was startling. It was so bitter, uh, but not in a bad way. And then after I drink more and more of this, that bitterness goes away. It's super silky. Uh, on the mouthfeel, which is just a joy. The bubbles are super tiny, super perfect, um, and this is this goes down way too easy for twelve. I hated the first sip, but it, it's, it's since we've been talking, it's opened up. It, right, it, it's, right. It, it's like the flavors had a moment to just kind of uh, marry together, and now it's it's a much more. Uh, I don't want to say palatable because that's another way of saying now I can drink it. It's a it's a much tastier brew now. I will also mention, as the cold beer guy, that this has gotten better as it has as it has warmed up. Uh, it's it's one of those beers that definitely the flavors uh, connect uh, better. Um, I think uh, I hesitate to say this, but I think I think this would be the winner for me I would out of the show, the, the Island Diaries. But the Aminal is is it's pretty darn good. It's just so different. If we hadn't had this one. I'm wondering if we'd be raving more about the barley one. You know, I, I, I poured a second uh, glass, not because I, not because I uh, uh, really wanted the flavor or anything by any means. Um, <laughs> no, it was because of research, um, and just to try it and see if that initial bitterness that hit me was there, and it's not. What's interesting about this is this kind of like a Once lot of cigars. That, that yeah. first, that first light. Is a little harsh, or sometimes a good whiskey is even like that. That first sure. sip is a little harsh, and then you get used to it. This has that, and this is a lot boozier tasting mm. than the uh, than the, the Island, Island, Island Diaries. Diaries, which is actually boozier than this. But I I, I like By it. A percentage in a quarter, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but but this the booziness comes across a little more on this. You get a little bit of that warmth in the back uh, in the back uh, in yes. the chest. Well, uh, I also just wonder if that part of that is. The booziness and the flavor qualities between a rum barrel and a bourbon barrel. Could be. Could be. I like, uh, on both of them, I love the oakiness, uh, especially in this Island Diaries. The oakiness on that and the stringency and the and the aftertaste is so good. This one here 
has a little bit less of that, but the oakiness is a little more like three quarters of the way through the palate, not uh, not at the very end. And so it hits the palate slightly different. I'll um, just mention that the, I'm for it. The twentieth, um, and then back to the uh, Island Diaries was a really interesting experience, bringing out the sort of banana bread sort of flavor, the breadiness uh, of the of the beer, going from the Aminal back to the twentieth. Uh, the the twentieth really got almost sugar cookie sweet. It was just a very a very pleasant way, not in a overly sort of sickly sweet kind of way, but it was just it was almost like a dessert. It was so sugary. Well, so the aminal though, like if you're so if you're a fan a of that dark yeah. cherry bitterness, that aminal is yeah. Is absolutely a hundred percent. The problem is, you order it at a bar. The bartender's going to say, "I think you've had enough." <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, That's a good point. But then again, that could probably be said a lot of times by the final it segment. It completely of this program, crushes so. my cigar. By the way, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it does. It really does. It In a way that the crushes. Island Diaries did not do. Right. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating. Well, Docs, I want to before we close out the show. I think you have a couple of things that we should absolutely be thinking about tasting here. You know, just like on the uh, plantation side, we're always thinking of uh, new things that we can do at, uh, at, at, at Cognac Ferran. You know, we have a, uh, a respect for tradition, but we're not necessarily bound to it. Uh, we do like to, to go outside of the normal lines, color outside the lines, as it were. And the best case uh, example of that has always been our Renegade Barrel series. Now, if you guys remember the Renegade Barrel number one, yes. it was uh, it was the uh, cognac that was finished in the uh, uh, the uh, um, Sauterne cask, uh, and that one unfortunately has run out. But we still have some of the Renegade Barrel number two, and this is a true story. I stole the last 152 cases in France. They're very upset with me right now, and they're all in Texas now. So we got the last of it available in the world, and it just landed in Texas. So uh, ask for it at your favorite retailer while you can. Uh, so. We're going to get number two. Uh, Jeremiah, would you mind pouring? I know if I find a cognac glass, I feel like I should be okay with that. Um, so I want to talk about it, if I may. Um, so the reason why we call it the Renegade, uh, in the very first one we did, when Alexander said uh, at the uh, BNIC meeting in cognac, which we're a member of, that he wanted to do this, some of the older statesmen there were told him, you can't do that. It's, you can't age cognac in, in, in sauterne cask. And, you know, he told him, yes, you can. We've done the research. We've looked. As long as it's French, as long as it's oak. We can do it and still cause right. cognac. And they said, well, if you do this, you'll be a renegade. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, so hence, <laughs> there you hence have it. a renegade barrel. Thank you, um, sir. So, and uh, that was renegade number one. And uh, the renegade barrel number two, I uh, remember when Alexander first told me about this. Uh, this one, we're actually finishing our uh, extra aging in chestnut cask, not oak. So chestnut. We can't, we can't even call it cognac. It's uh, Pierre Fron Eau de Vie de Vin, made with Pierre Fron cognac. Wow. And this is a funny story. Uh, when the first time Alexander told me about this, we were, at, we were at dinner at Tales of the Cocktail three years ago, and he's telling me about it. He goes, if we were to call this cognac, I could possibly go to jail for five months. And I said, "Wow, do it. <laughs> we'll call it the Pierre France Sacrifice. <laughs> you know, and he was not going for that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. No one will ever forget this, man. You're, you're the man that went to jail for his passion. So... Um, Anyway, we didn't call it that. <laughs> He's still a free man for now. Shocking. <laughs> for now, yes. But uh, the flavor profile on this one, that chestnut cast, really just, it, it woods up that cognac. I call this one the single malt drinker's cognac. I uh, bottled at 94 proof? Um, let me, 
embarrassing. I don't know that I've ever had anything that was aged in a chestnut barrel before. Probably not. This is unique. It's very unique. Hmm. It's nine, yeah, ninety-four point two proof. Ninety-four point two. It has it has uh, a bit of a predictable profile in the fact that you know what you're drinking is cognac like. How's that? Yeah. Um, but the finish on this and the uh, and the something in the last third of the palette in here is very unique. It's very different. Um, well, I, the woodiness I, is huge. It's like very whiskey like. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like there's there's also like, and maybe this is just me being fortunate enough to have had some of the actual eau de vie, but I feel like I get more of a sense of the essence of the distillate out of this one than I have out of some of the other now ones. That is very interesting. Yeah. Maybe, like I said, maybe that's just me, my own like head working, but I really feel like you can get like the sense of like the actual like like raw grapiness of the of the actual cognac along with the wood, and I mean it's this is very unique. This is, what is well, the, and that, that's what we're shooting for is unique. Go ahead. What is the proof on this? Uh, Ninety four point two. It's also very interesting where the uh, where the heat on this shows up as well because mm-hmm. the heat shows up right behind the front of the tongue, like mm-hmm. just behind Numbs it. the lips a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it, it's gone for the rest of the palate, and then comes back as a warm little kind of on that middle of the tongue when it yeah, comes back. Yeah, just a warm little hey, you just had something, you know. And it is lovely with an ice ball, a clean ice ball, or an ice block cube, bought nice. by <laughs> Fat Ice, ice. Noble Specs made by. <laughs> so a lot I would of assume, <laughs> I would assume that uh, if you put this on ice and chill it, you're going to get a lot more of the grapiness out of it. It, it. No question about it. I keep my microphone. It will, it'll open up, and you will get more of that cognacy grape grape skin for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, the no, grape no skin kind of thing. It. And then as it waters down, I can almost project that you're going to get those warmer flavors that that show up underneath there. I mean, this, this one's is, going for like 70, 80 bucks. Wherever this you can is find without it. Yeah. question one of the most expressive cognacs I've 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 had. It's what we were shooting for, and then that's just, you know we do, we don't want to just publish a another bottle just for the sake of having more space or, or, more, or, or more real estate on the cool. shelf. Yeah. Right. Everything we do is going to be done uh, to, just like similar with Fantation. We want every bottle very different. This one we're going with a lot more dry cellar cognac, uh, heavy, a slightly heavier leans than the, on the ombre. Um, the age was five to seven years old with a 25-year-old Bonificatio. Uh, I'm going to say uh, I lit uh, earlier uh, one of my go-to cigars. I've reviewed this on the show before, so I didn't make a big deal out of it. But I had brought along one of the uh, A.J. Fernandez, H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Um, and one of the reasons this is a go-to for me is because it's relatively inexpensive, but still incredibly complex. And what's interesting about the Renegade Barrel Number 2 is it actually makes this more complex than it was. I'm I'm in my brain still deciphering the flavors that I'm getting out of the cigar when paired with this. So You gotta love when you find a cigar and spirit pairing that just they go a little bit beyond both of the both of the entities. And and, and they go beyond just new. Yeah, they go beyond just like that works well together. You know, yeah. when it really, when one really enhances well, the other. Well, that's always, I was just saying, that's the thing, is you're always looking for enhancement, not right. just a pairing. Right. Does this make this better? Might I suggest, gentlemen, smoking and toasting the app? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, we need to like start Vivino, talking about Like you take the pictures with, of the cigars, yeah. the show pictures you which, of the which bottles. Cigar goes, which, which, all I want is 10%, guys. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one more thing for y'all. Okay. And I actually have a gift for y'all. Don't, don't, don't let me, don't, don't, don't let us fade out before I give you the gift. Uh, but this is uh, 
the 10 generations. Now, I mentioned before... Look at the cool bottle on that. That yep. is as cool as well, it can be. This is 10 generations, uh, and it's to honor 10 generations of Ferrand family making cognac. Um, although, uh, this we'll is, here. unfortunately, this ended with uh, uh, Eli Ferrand X uh, back in World War One. But, you know, even though Alexander Gabriel is the owner of the company and the master blender, he is not part of the Ferran family, but uh -huh. the, the pride that he has in the Ferran name is, is just unbelievable. He might as well be. And so uh, we call it 10 Generations. Now, I remember I mentioned earlier that the Renegade Barrel number 1 is gone for good. Mm -hmm. This is a distant cousin to it. Go ahead and pour it. Um, so it's also going to be similar to the Renegade 1 finished in Sauterne cask. Though the cognac is going to be a little different from what that what we used with the uh, original Renegade Barrel Number One. Also, it's the only 92 proof. Where Renegade Barrel, I believe, was 96 proof. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be closer to the uh, Ombre as far as the uh, four to six year old with the 12 year old Bonificateur with that extra year in the Sauterne cask. And now that bottle you're seeing right there is not a, uh, a legit United States. That one I brought back from France. It will be a 750, but it's going to be coming here later this year. We will well, have this in a will. I have we'll, to share this bottle, though, because this bottle is so, so cool. cool. Well, look closely at the vines, and you'll see the you faces. you see the faces, yes. I uh, noticed the faces that earlier. Of the ten generations of That's uh, awesome. That's fantastic. All right, so. So later this year, um, and you really do get that, uh, that uh, I, keep, I keep lowering my mic. Um, you still get that, that, that nice uh, sensation, that uh, solitary finish that you got from Renegade Brown number one. This is really delicious. Wow. Uh, and so different from the Renegade, so different. Well, you get you, this it's one so much bigger on the tongue, so much rounder. This one will appeal to the whiskey drinker also, but you still know you're drinking cognac on this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Odevie Devon, much it, more. It takes so you a man yeah. to identify the spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. No, with with the with the uh, Renegade barrel, I, I almost would have believed you if you had told me it was a whiskey. With this one, it's absolutely a cognac from the very first, mm -hmm. uh, from the very first note. Yeah. But it has that. Again, that I mean, it's so big on the tongue. Mm -hmm. right. this Especially one, like as you give it that chew, it feels like it kind of expands. The, and the mouthfeel is just it's amazing. Well, this one's funny because it bursts right up front in the palate. Yep, yep. And then just keeps going and yeah. expanding. It doesn't. It doesn't have a ride. It just. It just keeps going. It's. It's really I, interesting. I'd just like to point out, by the way, how incredibly lucky we are that all of us who are sitting here at this table do something for a living that involves us being able to say burst onto the palate <laughs> as a part of our jobs. I just like to say big fat mouthfeel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little more lowbrow, you know. Yeah, but, but it works <laughs> for gonna you. That was going to be my Twitter handle. It works for you, Jeremiah. <laughs> That's it, the other name. Totally That's my other Jamaican ska band is big right. fat mouthfeel. So, okay, I mean, so right. this is available when? Uh, probably this year. Uh, we're, we're still waiting on uh, approval from the feds on, on the 750 uh, bottle. And which, it's you know, 10 it's an, it's generations uh, de cognac. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and ended it with the Eli Ferran the tenth, who unfortunately died without a uh, uh, an heir in uh, in World War One. But um, the one that really put us on the map was was Eli Ferran the eighth, uh, a, a very uh, influential gentleman. Um, he was rubbing shoulders with James Hennessy and the owners of uh, the family behind those larger companies, uh, and was very influential, very instrumental, in uh, a lot of things that we see in cognac today. Including, uh, quite frankly, the, the this uh, um, uh, the fix to the to the uh, uh, what do you call it the um, phylloxera. The fix to phylloxera uh, was grafting North American roots from Texas 
to the European vines that made the vines resistant to the pest. And now they had been doing this in South France for a while, and he was got wise to what they were doing, and he convinced the other cognac uh, makers, "Let's try this here," and it worked. Wow, sort of. It worked initially, and but the vines were growing too tight, and the fruit was dying. So a new grape was invented, a cousin of the Trebbiano grape, which is the most widely used one, Uni Blanc, which we're 90% use Uni Blanc. That was a grape that was created to uh, grow better. It, it, the, the, the vines wouldn't get so tight. Interesting because stuff, right? science. That's pretty awesome. Science. <laughs> and, so. and Denton was foiled again. <laughs> Take that, so, Texas. Yes, right, so. so. Uh, I said I have gifts. I mentioned uh, Eli for on the eighth, and I only brought two, so you two have to share one for Jeremiah here. Oh, this is the uh, book that our historian, a guy by the name of Jacques Blanc, and uh, with uh, Alexander Gabriel, wrote on the Ferran family. I'll bring you another one. Uh, wow! And it's it's just a, basically the 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 life and times of a cognac maker, Eli Ferran the eighth. A lot of interesting information, not just the history of our company, but just the history of cognac. And you now you're, you're, it's going to talk about. It won't talk about our brands because quite frankly, our brands didn't exist back then. Uh, but it's just more about uh, what, what, you know, you know, I've always said that we're, we are the beneficiary of a man who literally planted his roots in the best place in the world to make cognac. And if not for him, we would not be sitting here right this now. This is beautiful. Yeah, this it's a amazing. gorgeous book. Gorgeous book. And perfect for the coffee table. You put legs on it, it will be the coffee it table. Will be the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, <laughs> like, like there's something about picking up a book like this, this size. And, and yes. leafing through it in your uh-huh. comfy chair, you yeah. know? No, <laughs> it, it feels rather luxurious, kind of the way the cognac feels. It, is, it, well, and, and, and that's, what we're, uh, that's what we're shooting for there. If you look closely at the uh, the Fs right there, that's uh, our, our new secondary logo there, the, nice. the Ferran with, 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 with the Zorse on it. Yes, nice. Yeah. That's nice. really beautiful. Well, you know, a big part of it, it seems so cliche to say that uh, something is all about the good life. But in the end, that's really what the show is about. It's about... Things that we enjoy that kind of take life to the next level, whether it's fantastic spirits or great cigars or really, really fantastic good craft spirits, treat yourself. Yeah. Good cigars, treat, treat yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end the show than that. But I do want you to quickly tell us about uh, B&B Italiano. So BB Italia, yeah, we or BB um, Italia, okay. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's the newest addition to the Berg Hospitality Group. Uh, it's out there, Memorial Dairy Ashford. Um, but handmade pastas, it's a very traditional Italian menu. So it's the, you know, the courses, the antipasti, the primi, the secondi, um, really, really amazing bar setup, beautiful cocktails. How's the French gin selection? Uh, it's, uh, pretty good. It could be better. Uh, <laughs> it, obviously it's not as good as, uh, you know, here at B&B, uh, but no, amazing. Um, Ben brought his brother Daniel in, um, they, they literally hand make all the pastas. We actually started using them for all of our pastas throughout Berg Hospitality. Um, But it is absolutely phenomenal. I actually was just up there on Tuesday, um, and it was the first time I'd seen the finished, renovated building, and it is gorgeous. It's huge, but it's very, very warm. Um, It's got a really, really nice bar, which is, you know, obviously open. open. Uh, it, 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 I believe that we just had our our big party last night, and you can now uh, reach out and make reservations on Open Table. Um, but it's it's phenomenal. It's just something different, um, but it's so family. Uh, it, it's it's just a very it's got warm that family place. Italian vibe, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yep. nice, love it. I love, Absolutely, very Italian love themed cocktails. Kind of um, Aperol spritzes on tap. Nice uh, grappa. Grappa. I actually just put together a grappa list. Um, I don't believe that they've 
implemented the full grappa list quite yet, you know, baby steps. Uh, but it will have a very nice selection of Amaro's. Uh, Monique from uh, BB Lemon, um, you know, did most of the cocktails over there. It's just, I'm, I'm, we, we couldn't be more pleased with how it's, how it's starting to pan well, out. I love Italian. If it's if it's the quality of everything else, y'all guys, it's, it's going to be a, a yeah, home run. Sure. I mean, I just, I can't tell you enough. I, 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 I tasted some of the pastas, and they're just, they're so delicate. I mean, it, it's very clear that they're handmade. It's, it's wonderful. That's awesome. Now, but, just, just for the geeks out there, do you actually mm-hmm. employ bistro math bistro, nobody knows that joke bistro dude. Math? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't i don't know the joke you have to be a douglas adams fan never mind ah oh, gotcha okay. gotcha well I, i'm a moderate douglas adams fan and, you know to the to, to the extent that i know for yeah. sure who he is but um but yeah we, we couldn't be more excited about it um they also have bb uh pizza to go uh so at some point nice. they're going to have oh, a little amazing. takeout pizza uh, addition to it um, but yeah, we're we're really really happy, and uh, I, I, I wish I could tell you more. But there's uh, you know we, there's there's more coming. So Jeremiah, can we have you on to do a grappa show in the future? That would be amazing. Are, Gra- you, are you knowledgeable with grappa? Grappa is one of the most underappreciated spirits, well, and as a guy really who loves be- all things rocket fuel, yeah. Just it, so it you is, know, yeah. I truly underappreciate grappa. Yeah, uh, we'll meaning that, that you don't like I've, it. I've that- tried it a couple times, and it's not you my have not good grappa. Uh, we'll get you squared away. I'm well, sure. Yeah, you. Okay, all we'll right. see. So that's that's why I but, thought. It deserved a show because yes, absolutely. It, it, there, there's something to be said for it. But, yeah, it could be a little off-putting. Yes. Well, they have a patio there as well, so we'll figure out doing a grappa show. It's and we'll challenging be the Italian. to appreciate. No, that's what you said I mean, about Malort. Grappa and Malort okay, are first not of all, in Malort, the same. <laughs> not Malort in the same universe. It's shot by your spirits, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's called craptastic. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, there's a gangload of people that. Well, the like, best thing about Melora is when you try for the first seven, people are disappointed that you're not more grossed out. Yeah, I'm, yeah. is that gross? I'm like, that's gross. But is it really gross? Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, the, for the me. first time somebody brought me Malort, I was like, okay, it's like rotten fernet. It ain't that bad. Yeah. Like, first time someone brought me Malort, it was Ian. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that tells you all that. That you was need hilarious. To know. I said, I said, don't worry. I'll get the spirits this week. Yeah. <laughs> what was it that, that your was the first uh, time I questioned was my it your friend or your brother that had the perfect description for Malort? It wasn't that it was. Oh wasn't no, no, good. it was my friend. He said no. Yeah. It's 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 not bad. It's challenging to appreciate. Challenging to appreciate. distilled from corpses. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody involved. Thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel for making the show happen. Doc, it is always such a pleasure to have you on because uh, honestly, um, we have a lot of different spirit reps on uh, and. I think I learn more from you. Maybe it's because I'm just so, I'm such a fan of rum, and and uh, I know so little about cognacs. But it feels like I learn more from you than just about anybody we have on the show, present company, etc. Because he's docs, man. Well, I will, no, I will honestly, say though, also, where do you think that I begin to like delve? In, <laughs> I, I, and I'm I'm not trying to toot docs horn, but literally, without my meeting docs in in the right situation with the right people that I was working with, I can honestly say that like. It was very much a kickstart to my spirit rabbit hole. Wow. Like he took me to my first tales where I went to the seminar, the art of aperitif, and it super hung over on absinthe. Was drinking chinar and, <laughs> and a monster was born. I'm telling you, a it, it really it, it's very legitimately true. So I, I would like to thank Docs publicly. It well, might be that I want beer talking, but I'm going to start to tear up here, guys. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, Docs, and I, I told you it was emotional. These, the beer. spirits you bring today are ones that I'm not as familiar with, so I just want to let you know, in the words of Madonna, you made me feel shiny and new. <laughs> That's the way to end the show. That is the way to end the show. <laughs> Cheers, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>